Back to the future? More like back to the suture, because I busted a gut laughing at this delightful fantasy flick, and the ending had me in stitches. If you ask me, the sequel can't come soon enough. I can't wait to see what happens in Back to the Future Part Jesus Christ! Who are you? Gene! Gene! It's me, Future Gene! Future Gene? You look like my twin brother. Future Gene is not your brother. He's just a critic who reviewed the next one. And part two is not as fun. Oh, shit. Really? Are you sure? Yes, really? Why, why do you think I traveled through time to tell you I don't want you on record as looking forward to the sequel? It could destroy our credibility. You mean more than our novelty bow ties? Far more. Back to the Future 2 is a confusing, desperate mess. I don't know why they can't make movies the way they used to. Give me an old-fashioned western with a little romance, not all this science fiction mumbo jumbly shit. What the fuck is happening? Gene, Future Gene, it's me, Gene 3. Gene 3? Gene 3? Yes, Gene 3. I'm from six months later than future Gene, and I don't want him to make a fool out of all of us. Wait, who's that with you? Supermodel Cindy Crawford. I've never heard never of her. Never heard of her. That's because she doesn't hit it big until 1990. Anyway, I told her my mustache was a time machine, and would she like to go for a ride on it, and here we are. And that actually worked? Yes, my mustache travels through time. No, I mean, she seems a little out of our league, Gene 3. How did you convince her to join you? Well, I just says, if you want to be with me, baby, there's a price to pay. I am Gene 3, you're a model. You gotta rub me the right way, etc., etc. The rest is history. Anyway... Future Gene always leaves movies five minutes early to go destroy the shitter. But as a result... <laughs> Take two. But as a result, he missed the closing moments of Back to the Future 2, which were in essence a trailer for Back to the Future 3, which is in essence an old-fashioned western with a little romance. Really? 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 Oh, shut up, Cindy Crawford. Nobody asked you. So, <laughs> that didn't work. I'll, I'll fix that later. Absolutely so, worked. I knew so, it <laughs> So is part three any good? Well, the time travel thing is a little played out at this point. The only thing left to do with this idea now is a porn parody. Oh, Jesus Christ! What in the Sam Hill is going on here? Guys, guys. Oh, hi, Cindy Crawford. Have you seen Backside to the Spew Chair? Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 79 of oh, wait, is this 79 or 80? Yes, 79. It's 79. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome. Depends on if you've traveled through time or not. If we go to the future, You're it's right. episode 80. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I just got back from next episode. Oh my God. <laughs> Welcome to episode 79 of opening weekend. Oy, oy, oy. I am Jason O'Connell and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week we travel back in time to a trio of films about traveling back in time. That's Ooh. right. We are revisiting Robert Zemeckis' Back to the Future trilogy, beginning with the July 1985 original and moving on to discuss its sequels, which were shot back to back and released a mere six months apart in 1989 and 1990. But before we dive into this, our second opening weekend podcast trilogy retrospective, where were we all when the first Back to the Future was released in July of 1985? Well, first of all, I have to say, I just love when you do your cold openings. I thought about this the last time, and especially when you do your shallots. But mm -hmm. you do this thing, Jason, where we all start to laugh. <laughs> And you do this thing with your index finger where you bring it to your mouth to like shut yourself up because you're about to laugh. But then you lift it up like, wait, 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 wait. Just guys, wait, wait. There's more. There's more. Just wait. There's more. And there always is. And it's always amazing. And I love it. I knew I was going to laugh. Last night I was reading it to me and I was like, when I get to the shitter part, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> He doesn't get, to, he leaves for the shitter five minutes before every movie finishes. To destroy the shitter, not just to go to the shitter, to That's destroy to the destroy. shitter. <laughs> July 85, I, oh, speaking of destroying the shitter, oh, this God. was around the time I'm only thinking about this because of a practical joke that I probably played around this time at, you guessed it, it's July it's 85. Oh. Folks, old time, if you're new, you're not going to know this. If you're a longtime listener, say it with me. I was at the, the VBC. VBC. For new listeners, that is the Village Bath Club. Jason and Dan sometimes think that's a fancy country club and or the club next to the Eagle on 25th Street. Right. Well, it became the Manhasset Country Club. It became the Manhasset Country so, Club. You know. At this point, it was the VBC, the Village Bath Club. It was July. This was, I mean, we've, yes, as you mentioned, we've talked about this summer many times before. Mm -hmm. This was, this was prime prime VBC summer and oh, everything exciting. that was going that's on exciting. around this time. I know I've mentioned before this was, I had my first girlfriend, mm. sort of Jenny Vaccaro. We were dating. Ah, uh, yes. But by uh, yes. dating, I mean like I asked her out and then that was it. And then that was it. Yeah. This mm -hmm. was like, this was uh, like the prime time for the VBC kids. Me and Damon, you guessed it, Suds, Josh, <laughs> Joe Salvatore, Steve Panzino, my next door neighbor, Cliff Schleifer, was sort of in a way, he was somewhat our Biff in a weird way. Oh. Like we were friends, but he was older and he sort of like gave a shit all the time. He so there was, there was like this. You know, that sort of like Biff McFly relationship at times, mm. but he was, he was in there as well. It was, uh, yeah, it, it, I was training for my bar mitzvah. Probably I was coming up cause I was 12. I was about to turn 13 wow. at the end of this month. So it was all the stuff that we've talked about is all building up. But I, I do remember speaking of the shitter, <laughs> this was probably the summer. No, I, I, can't, I, I can't cut that. No. <laughs> so, yeah. no, it's not a great story, but I just remember playing the old joke and, and, and it just came back to me where mm. you'd, um, you'd go into the bathroom. We discovered that if we go into the bathroom and we take a Hershey bar from the snack bar and we melt oh it God. using the hand dryers. Oh my God. 
Uh, and then we would, we would sit in the stalls, right. And wait for other kids to come in. And then when they would, they would be like a urinal or something. And we would come out of the stall with the melted chocolate in our hands <laughs> and just go, Hey, do you have any toilet paper? Do you have any extra toilet paper? And I'll never forget this one kid. He was a younger kid and he just looked at me and he ran out screaming. He was, he was like, Ugh! He was really upset. Understandably so, because I was coming out with what looked like shit on my head. Yeah, but it's got to be the, the piece de resistance. You're like, please, there's so much. Yeah, I need some paper. And then, and then you like uh, just start licking it exactly. off. Exactly. You're, you're like, yeah. I, I don't know what else to do with it. I'm just going to. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, you got it. You got, have, you played this, yeah, have you played this trick before? Of course I have. Of course I have. Of course I have. And there's no chocolate. No chocolate involved. <laughs> That's not a trick then, Jason. That's just you <laughs> eating your own poopy. It was a trick on my mouth. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Nothing's but you know what was changed. coming up in a week from now, which was we couldn't <laughs> wait? You move on to Kit Kats? What? What's night? <laughs> Live Aid. Oh, the Live Aid that's concert right. was, that's right. was the very next week. I think it was July 13th. It's another shitstorm. And I remember. <laughs> Live Aid is a very respectable concert. Yeah, it was great. But that was so exciting. I mean, we I remember watching that at the VBC. Everyone had like their little TV set up. No, <laughs> seriously. Everyone had, everyone had like little mini, like those portable TVs yeah. or the radios on. There's boom boxes everywhere. And I remember me and my friends, we were all so excited because- uh, you know, that's what earlier I had, I had just gotten my first drum set earlier that year. So I was like heavy into Zeppelin and the who was my favorite band. And like, mm. they were all coming back. Mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin was reuniting the who was reuniting. I remember, uh, I, I remember walking around the pool and someone had a boom box and Brian Adams. Cause that reckless had just come oh. out, I think. And like he, I remember watching him live. I have a vivid memory of, 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 of watching him. Um, and it was just, it was very exciting. It was an mm-hmm. exciting summer. The, the music, the movies, we were all into Commando and Red Dawn. Yes. And it was just like, there was a feeling of, yeah, motherfucker, it's summertime. Let's smear shit on our hands. <laughs> what grade would you have been in here, Fred? I had just finished seventh grade. Seventh. Yeah, I just finished seventh. Oh, okay. So, so, oh, okay. So I'm about to go to middle school then. I thought I was already in middle school by this Yeah, time. no, probably, right? Your end of you had just finished sixth. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so that was I'm, elementary school still for you, right? That's right, how it was yeah, for me. Yeah. I know now middle school starts like sixth grade now for yeah, a lot now of it's different. kids. Exactly. But. So this is, so this means this is a terrifying time. This is the end of innocence and this is me, you know, it's scary. I, I'm, you know. Smearing act. I'm trying to prevent actual shit from going everywhere because I'm shitting myself with fear. Going, wait, next year's a new school. Wait, next year I have to wait. Go to this new place. This new with these new people that I don't that I don't know and I don't understand. But for this brief shining moment of this summer, everything's great. You know why? Because the U.S. Express, Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Win the tag team titles from Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Yeah, I remember this. You remember? Of course. We well, we were really into wrestling at this point as well, too. It was still big. All was right with the world at this time because it didn't matter that there was you know international strife and that and that the Iron Curtain was still very much up and all that because as long as the U.S. Express were doing their thing in the ring. 
and beating you know, our, our, our international enemies in the, in the squared circle, <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter what, was, what else was happening. Um, I'll tell you what I was doing during this time, during this summer, and we'll get into it in, in, in a few moments. Seeing this movie over and over again, because the yeah. thing I remember most about, you know, Back to the Future, and like I said, we'll talk about it, is it stuck around in the theaters. Like it didn't go away. Like it was one of those movies that played through the rest of the year and well into the following year. Yeah. So you could yeah. go see it over and over and over again. And I, I became obsessed and, uh, you know, and listening to the soundtrack over and over and <laughs> getting yeah. really into Huey so Lewis good. and the news. So much great music during this time, you know. Fantastic. So well, this was the, because I, I remember I also had album. to, for my bar mitzvah, I knew that I was going to be playing drums and when this movie came out, because I same mm-hmm. thing, I was huge into sports. That album was like the greatest thing ever for me. It was one of the first tape cassettes I ever bought. Yes. But when this movie came out, I'm like, oh, I know what song I'm playing at the bar mitzvah, and it's called Power of Love. Oh, yeah. And so it was like, that was the whole thing this summer, too, me learning how to play a Huey Lewis in the new down, song. Yeah, down, on the drums. Such a down. good song. Such a good song. Such, such a good, good album. That album, Sports, I played that until it That's broke. It's a great album. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a terrific album. It's so good. Um, you know, all of, all of the, the, uh, 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 all of the music from, from this movie, you know, mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. play, kind of played over and over and over again. Uh, and, uh, this, that was kind of the way I, I think this summer was defined for me. It's <laughs> F- fear yeah. uh, of, <laughs> of having to go to a new school, uh, uh, where I didn't know people, um, wrestling to soothe, to soothe all of the anxieties inside me, including international ones. And then just seeing this freaking movie over and over again and, and just kind of becoming obsessed with it. But we'll talk. We'll talk all we'll about talk, that. We'll talk. So that means you um, were finishing middle school then, right, Jason? Yeah, I or finished I eighth finished. grade. I had just finished eighth grade and was going to go into high school. And what I, what I remembered is actually, it's more of a memory from end of June. So, cause we were still in school. I, and I've not mentioned this before. I've not talked about this, but I remember my the eighth grade dance. We had a dance, oh, yes. like a little prom. Yes, and I guess indeed. the movie's making me think about you know the enchantment under the sea thing, um, <laughs> because it was the first time I danced with a girl. Whoa! <laughs> and, and we danced for a long, long time. I remember it was like this thing that where I was like, "Ugh, I got to go to this stupid dance. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm just going to stand there and I'm not going to dance with anybody. And I don't know what the fuck to do at a dance anyway. But um, no, there was this girl. Kim Kutch was her name. And she was like, it's like she's, yeah, Kim, Kimberly Kutch. And she was like, so it was like she was cast to be like an interesting looking character in a, a, a sitcom or a movie about <laughs> junior high because she was so unique. She was so, so thin and she had long reddish brown hair, but like long, long all the way down and she just combed it straight it was just straight long wow. hair on this thin frame and she had little barrettes in it all the time and she was just like she was a very sweet girl very sounds smart like girl. she was we the like, crystal gale of comac exactly wow exactly. that's what she looked like i was like. thinking crystal. of the like um, gale. the very religious <laughs> Lindsay weir's best friend in freaks and geeks the one oh, yes, who yes, sings jesus yeah, just yeah. all right yes. very like that very, yeah very much like that type yeah girl. and great. she was just and she was like really uh, she was really funny and smart and she would like do the musicals and plays and stuff like that in high school. Well, perfect so we for always, you. We were always friends, but, um, how'd you ruin yeah, no, this? Just, how'd you screw this was, up? No, I didn't. It, it, there was just nothing. It was just very funny. It was like, there was nothing, uh, quote unquote romantic about it, but we just like kind of like 
asked her to dance. We started dancing and then we just danced the whole. What'd you dance to? Night. What was the first song? Oh, was the one I remember nice. is, is, is heaven. Brian Adams, heaven. That was the big, that was the big song that we How's danced that go? to. How does it go? I don't, I don't believe oh, when you find it all in my pants. To the VBC <laughs> with Suds and Josh and Damon there. <laughs> Finding it in the yes. of my hands. <laughs> it's my heaven. Uh, with uh, just Steve Smith played drums on that. Steve Smith, drummer for what band in the 80s? You guessed it. Journey. Oh, that folks. Oh, it all I'm comes back. It all back right <laughs> Back to things we don't care. We've mentioned Heaven's a good one. And, uh, I think it's very sweet that you danced with her all night yeah, long. That's lovely. All, and honestly, night. I can't think of a better song to mm-hmm. dance to than Brian Adams. It was like the mm. yeah. I mean, it still sticks. Every time I hear it, I think of like eighth grade dance. Oh. <laughs> that, <song. laughs> that whole album. Bring anytime I hear any song from that album, I'm thrust back to that time. I think because it was just so big, and it had it. It it there was a a huge. It was also exuberance. summer of '69. I was just going to ask that. Is that the same thing with the summer? I'm going to run to okay. you. It's only yeah. love. The, with the uh, with the uh, Tina Turner, the duet with Tina Turner. Yes, I who was, about was, that who was uh, burning up the screens in uh, Thunderdome this That's summer right. too. That's right, yeah. right. Yeah, this is a big movie year. There's a lot of big. This was there were some really cool movies that came out this year. I was going through that as well. Like yeah, Cocoon. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the Goonies was big. Yeah. Although we've talked about that before, I don't think it ever really that never resonated with me that. Much, but I remember looking forward to it. It sounded like it was going to be cool. Rambo was the big right. thing. That was, that was huge. The big, that was the big thing. Was that Back to the Future beat uh, eventually beat Rambo at and the Beverly Hills Cop also right? Mm-hmm. That was from Christmas of '84. But yeah, most oh, of its oh, run oh, okay. it was probably early '85. Yeah, gotcha. I remember going to see First Blood in the in the theaters. I feel like my friends and I like sort of snuck in. To, yeah, to go I didn't because see it until it was on home video. Yeah, my parents would not let me go. Yeah, we got because we were, and I mentioned like Red Dawn and Commando earlier, which mm-hmm. we, which we did not see in the theaters. Those were VHS. Those were you know mm-hmm. rentals, mm-hmm. but that was very much the feeling. And I think it was just that like you know middle school, like high, junior high school, the hormones. But like we were all about just like Wolverines, Commando, chop them up, First Blood, America, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. you know, it was just so. all there. It was just. Bursting, you know, just yeah, coming it was out. Very much a rah rah America kind of yeah. kind of yeah. feel in the, yeah. in the take down the Iron Sheik. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, was, you didn't definitely. have to go far to be like you know to, to be a a, a, ba- a baby face as they call him in the, in the WWE. All you had to do was go America Sergeant Slaughter. Remember Sergeant Slaughter? Sergeant Slaughter, of course. And the and the and the less popular Corporal Kirshner. You're that's what Irvin Kirshner said. That's what you call me on the set of Empire Strikes Back. Corporal Kirshner to you, George Lucas. When you were uh, dancing with your with your gal to Brian yeah. Adams' Heavens, did you have? Yeah. Did you feel one point twenty one gigawatts of energy coming out of your pants? Oh, that's a lot of gigawatts. Oh, for fuck's sake! Back to the Future.
In this 1980s sci-fi classic, small-town California teen Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, is thrown back into the 1950s when an experiment by his eccentric scientist friend Doc Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, goes awry. Traveling through time in a modified DeLorean automobile, Marty encounters teenaged versions of his parents, played by Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson, and, after inadvertently rewriting the history of their romance, finds himself on a mission to help them fall in love, thus ensuring his existence. Even more dauntingly, Marty has to return to his own time and save the life of Doc Brown. Back to the Future was rejected over 40 times by studios because it was not considered raunchy enough to compete with the successful comedies of the era. Michael J. Fox was the first choice to portray Marty McFly, but his commitments to the sitcom Family Ties rendered him unavailable. Eric Stoltz was cast instead, but shortly after principal photography began in November of 1984, director Robert Zemeckis and producer Steven Spielberg determined that Stoltz was not the right fit for the part and made the concessions necessary to hire Fox. This included refilming scenes already shot with Stoltz, which added $4 million to the budget. Thankfully, that gambit paid off as as Back to the Future earned $11.2 million over its opening weekend on its way to a $212.8 million domestic haul and a worldwide box office of $383.3 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you boys think of Back to the Future? I was wondering how it did internationally, you know, because I was... I was um, so Americana. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, I, I'm... Uh, I was, I think I was on box office mojo or something like that and going, mm -hmm. boy, I didn't think, but I guess I was just looking at the receipts from that year. I think, you know, things get, <laughs> tend to get released internationally later on yes. down the line. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, because you're exactly right. What you just said, it is so Americana and it's so, you know, it's so of the era and it's so, uh, there's just so many, um, things in it that are, that are, um, you know, domestic in, in the, you yeah. know, sort of in jokes for, uh, for the domestic audience. And, um, I was wondering if, you know, if it played elsewhere, but I'm, I'm glad that it did, uh, because this, the, I don't know where to begin with the, how pretty much perfect this movie is, but I think you have to begin with the screenplay because sure. I think it's one of the top screenplays ever written because it is so tight. There is no fat on this thing. It is the leanest. And there yeah. are only a few screenplays that I think fall into categories yeah. like this, where you go, every single moment has meaning. Every single moment serves either story or character. Nothing is told. It's all shown. And one thing I noticed on this rewatch, I've seen this movie a trillion times, is how quick they cut after the information is given, it is, it's also a feat of editing because yes. as soon as it's like, and now I've given you the information, boom, we don't even have time to register it before we are on to the next thing. So, and that's, You're and right. that's, you know, fits right into the theme of this movie, which is we don't have time, yeah. <laughs> you know? yes. which is huh. why the movie, the second one, and to some degree, the third one feel too long, even though they're around they're the same shorter. time. It's I think they might be they, shorter, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the, this movie is lean and mean and it's spare. Yeah. Nothing. Yes, it's propulsive. It gets you to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And if you if you look away, you're screwed. You've got to stay in it. It's only an hour 50, maybe. It's yeah. quick. It's a quick little tight little package of a movie. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's where you have to start with this is the incredibly tight screenplay that rewards you over and over and over again for paying attention to it. That's the another thing that's brilliant in this. And I love the fact that 
woven into the way the screenplay unfolds are the various ways in which the power of love (laughs) saves their lives over and over. You know, as soon as she writes, I love you, the girlfriend on that piece of paper and hands it to him, it goes, that's the power of love right in that moment. And then later you go, why is that? Oh, hang on. Cause he would have thrown that freaking piece of paper away with the clock tower thing. Had she not written, I love you in the phone number on it. Oh, so the power yeah. of love, her love for him saves his so life. Once so again, smart. Huey Lewis and the news coming to the rescue. <laughs> Huey Lewis and, or the news. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you think? Fred? That's brilliant, Dan. That's right. Yeah. No, I, I love it. It's, uh, it's you know, so I good. watched, I, I, I rewatched two and three, uh, or just watched three, but we'll get to that. Um, oh. and, uh, I, I literally rewatched this one right before we came on this morning. I started to watch it a little last night oh, because I'm like, yeah, because just time. How interesting. I completely watched them out of order, which was crazy. Um, that's wow. cool though. But uh, but it was nice because it was like getting the tasty dessert at the end, you know. It was like after <laughs> yeah. wading through the other stuff, then I, I get the best this. For last. Yeah. Mm. It's like the peanut in the Hershey bar after <laughs> you've smeared yes. it everywhere. But it was only because I I just knew time wise. I'm like, shit. Am I gonna Am I gonna get to it? Like, I have to get to the other two first because those aren't really in my mind. Right. This one I know so well. Oh yeah. I want to watch it, but if 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 I if I did, it'd be like doing Star Wars. You know, like the first episode. I didn't rewatch Star Wars before because I just know it so well. I remember. Because I was the same thing, Dan. I mean, I saw it when it came out. I'm I'm fairly certain that we saw it opening weekend because you had to go. There was such a buzz and a feeling about it. We all loved Family Ties was like such a huge huge show. show. I can't overstate that to our younger listeners how big that was and how big a star Michael J. Fox was. From that show, you know, and famously he took over that show was supposed to be about Meredith Baxter Bernie and he was so dynamic and such a great character. He Mm -hmm. just he took over. And so and he was, you know, he was around our age. So he he was just everywhere. And so this also had the Spielberg name on it. You know, I didn't know the fuck Robert Zemeckis was. I was like, used cars. And I wasn't running to see that, but it had Spielberg. So it's like, all right, you got Spielberg, you got time travel. And had Teen Wolf already come out or is that later? Later this summer. I think that was after this. Like in August. Same year? Same year? Same summer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. That's why Teen Wolf did so well. Cause it was like, oh my God, the back to the future kid is, you know, you know, family ties guys in this too. Because I remember yeah. that we were so excited because like, oh my God. And it's, that, that was a bit of a letdown, you know, still fun <laughs> at times. But so we were super excited. And, and I just remember, I can remember the feeling of seeing it and thinking at the time, there was a feeling like as you're watching it, you're realizing how I, it, it was, it was iconic before it became iconic. Yes. You know, there was this feeling of we're seeing something special. This is mm-hmm. something that's going to stick around, which it, it did, as you're saying. I don't remember that, Dan, that it lasted for that long in the theaters. But you just felt I like we, we were- I think we saw it again it, at Thanksgiving. We saw it again at at, at Christmas. Like we, we kept seeing it, my, me and yeah. my sister. I'm sure I probably saw it multiple times as well in the theaters. It, it was just, there was just, it, it was so, in, it had like this infectious energy and you're right. It just moves. It was so much energy. It was, 
you know, for me, it was like having, you know, the rock and roll stuff, the fact that mm -hmm. it starts off mm -hmm. with him plugging in the guitar and the Johnny be good at the end just Perfect blew us you. all away. But everything about it, just all that, like Christopher Lloyd's character, immediately, he's iconic. Yeah. And it, it's casting. just, it, it's, it's it's incredible what he does and it's so over the top and and now for me like i didn't grow up watching taxis so i didn't know i didn't really know who this guy was oh really yeah i, I mean maybe i'd seen him in a few things here and there or like mm -hmm. I, I knew that he was on a television show but i didn't watch taxi at that age mm -hmm. so this was really my first introduction to him and it's so big but it's it's like a beautiful performance. It's all over the place, but everything makes sense. And you're you're totally with Michael J. Fox the whole way. Biff is and we'll get we'll get to Tom Wilson because I, he features more prominently in the others. Yeah, in, in the in other the two, but. And this rewatch, I'm like, he's, I think he's one of the great villains and it's because he's completely irredeemable. There's nothing, there's never, yeah. you never get the Biff backstory where you're like, oh, I no. sort of feel bad for him. He's just a dick from yeah. start to finish just a bully. and he goes full out mm -hmm. and he never, he never apologizes for it. I mean, you sort of get this thing in, I think in two where you're like, okay, he comes from poor. a shitty home, but like, but they, they sort of brush that away. And you just get a full and though and as much as we like, you know, especially with like the Marvel Universe now and, and things like we like our villains fully formed. We like, you know, to find out we, we you get a little backstory or like, why yeah. is the joke of the joke? But it's nice. What, what's, what's great about some of those 80s villains, you know, James Spader and Pretty in Pink, like the ones that really stick out. They're just dicks. Yep. And yeah. we all know those dicks. Yeah, and when they oh, get yeah. their comeuppance, it feels that much better. So mm -hmm. when he finally does get knocked out by George McFly, oh, yeah. oh, it's you know, incredible. and it, it's, you love it. So I'm just like, I'm watching it this time. I'm going, bravo, Tom Wilson. You, you created, and I just like, you know, Christopher Lloyd created an iconic character and Michael J. Fox and the music. He isn't one of the iconic villains. Biff Tannen is, will go down in history as one of the greatest villains ever. Agreed. Hey, I'm talking to you, McFly, you Irish bug. Oh, hey, Biff. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh, well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think, McFly. Think. I gotta have time to recopy you. You realize what would happen if I hand in my homework and your handwriting? I'd get kicked out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you? Would you? Well, now, of course not. No, I wouldn't no. want that to happen. What are you looking at, butthead? He is great. And and I think the only well, we'll talk about it when we get to Back to the Future, too. But seeing the elderly version next to him as a kid is very interesting. What Tom yes. Wilson does there, because he's not the elderly version is not a redeemable guy either, but he's no. seasoned by age and he's not the hothead and he's not quite as dumb and he's not quite as. And so sure. it's an interesting shift, but it doesn't make him like a nice guy. But you just yeah. see like just with age, even. The, the stupidest or the the worst among us gets some sort of perspective. Yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's nice. It's nicely done. I don't, well, we'll get to that movie. I'm not a fan, but, uh, <laughs> but the performance of the movie for me is Crispin Glover. I yeah. watched it. And no, I was no, like, I was like, no, question. he's a genius. Yeah. It's incredible. It's utterly unique. It is, it is the can't take your eyes off it performance of the movie. And it always kind of was, but it was, but for me this time I was like, I can't, I cannot stop watching him and everything he does is so fucking weird, but also so pitch perfect. And unlike 
some of the other actors who are called upon to play like older versions of themselves. I buy him 1000% as a 47 year old man. And it's not because of the makeup. He just becomes the, this middle-aged guy, this milksop middle-aged milksop. That's right. He's so, so excellent in my opinion. Um, yeah, this movie, I think, I think this was the first jolt of, I, I, cause I remember seeing it in the theater at the, the little Elwood quad, or maybe it was the Elwood twin at the time. It was like a little theater on Long Island. I went, I remember going with my mom and my sister and I came out afterwards and I was like, that's the best movie I've ever seen. That's yes, my favorite yes, that's movie. That. Me too. Me too. I said, that's my favorite best movie. movie. My mother seen. said, and my mother was like, really? Gremlins? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. Touché. I, mean, Touché, I, was like, I was like, but I think, but this is close or this may be because it was so to your earlier point, Dan, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that was so well constructed where the storytelling right. was so tight and so satisfying. Yes. I don't think I ever had, you know, I mean, you I'm sure what? now this I've movie seen movies that maybe three. are compete, but you know, even star Wars and things like that or Raiders, they're all wonderful, but this is, this is truly a clockwork. And that's the opening yeah, scene, exactly the very right. first shot of the clocks. Mm-hmm. It's not just about time. It's about the machine, the mechanism. And the why are there so many clocks there? Because he's so fascinated with not just the concept of time, but the mechanics of time. And that if you, all you need to know about how good this movie is going to be is that opening it sequence, sets up which everything. I think is an unbroken shot and sets up everything. Yeah. You've got the Rube Goldberg quality to it, which is very fun, which you get later in the summer. machine is the yeah. adventure where you get like a machine uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. And that's fun. But you get all the details about the plutonium and, um, and yeah. you get the sense that oh, Doc Brown's missing the dog food plopping into the can. You're like, where There's is something he? messy see, about it? Yeah. You see the camcorder yeah. or whatever on the bed. Like he left the video camera there. You're, all these little details that pay off later yeah. are there from the beginning. And it's this yeah. unbroken shot. And then Michael J. Fox comes in and flips the skateboard and it, 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 it's just and the skateboard hits the box of plutonium it hits and the box that's of plutonium. the last, that's the end of the shot it's too brilliant yeah it's great it's a great opening and it's yeah. complete it's silence you know just the ticking the ticking yeah just the sound effects of the the yeah. machines and then the tv popping on and the coffee going and all it's so good and uh and I, I always enjoyed that as a kid but watching it this time i was like oh my god even this is brilliant. And, yeah. and, and if you know what you're looking at, you would get excited. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, Oh, this is, this is a, a filmmaker who knows exactly what he wants to do. And we're in very good hands, as we say, sometimes mm-hmm. with Spielberg and other great directors. So yeah, I, I just, yeah, I feel like it's, a, we can get to this in a little bit. I feel like it's a pretty perfect movie until the last 20 minutes or so. I don't think it needs to go on I don't think it needs to go on nearly as long as it does. Actually, I think it loses a little something for me when when uh, Malachi comes yes, in to like. I knew to, you I were going like, to say you that. Don't and need I agree. That. I agree. Once, once Biff is defeated, yep, and George takes her, that George becomes that man, and for him to have another moment of you like, don't need it, backpedaling and like, oh, okay, you you can cut in and take her away, and no, then the guys I like actually laughing think you and do. I don't think so. You know, I don't and I'll tell so. you why, because it would be too, I, I liked, and I know what you're saying. I was literally just going to say what I love about this movie too. And what blew me away this time is you have three to four, no, really three, three climaxes in this movie. There are three, you know, and you have 
the the whole dance sequence. You already sequence. told the BBC story. Oh, you're talking about the movie. <laughs> no, but you have the dance, which is a huge climax. Then <laughs> you're like, you finish please, that. Please stop saying then climax. You got, <laughs> then you got the lightning climax. Yes. You got yes. the lightning climax. And then you even, you even, yes. you even sort of have a third climax when you're re-seeing the beginning of the movie again, you know, and, and the Libyans come. Uh, those are all great. Those things are all great. It's, it's Malachi. Just the it's the Malachi sequence. I think that That's is important weak. because I don't think I would buy. Look, I, no, that's not true. I would buy it because they're so good. I like that he's got one added moment. He has this great heroic moment, right? But we've seen him the entire movie being this other guy. He has this one moment where he punches out Biff and that's great. I think it's slightly more realistic to suddenly have that wear off and he's pushed away again and to give him that chance of saying, no, this isn't a fluke. This isn't a fluke. You can do this. I like that. He's, he, he does sort of say, no, I'm going to stand my ground. This wasn't just a one-time thing where I stood up to the bully. I'm. This is going to be a continuation of my life because that to me furthers it. And I think it adds to who he ends up becoming, that it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was, no, this is something that I'm going to stick with as a life choice where I'm going to stand up for myself. So I don't mind that. I actually like it. And also... It, it provides, it gives a great moment of Michael J. Fox with the guitar and playing Earth Angel and fading at, you're giving that me the thumbs down? Work. I'm giving you a thumbs down because I also think Johnny B. Good should be gone too. I think it should be gone because he doesn't sing it. You can tell he's not singing it. It sounds <laughs> yeah, it bad. It sounds like a 50 year old man it, singing it's, it. It's, it just doesn't sound good. No, it's you not need necessary. it. It's, great. it's a great moment and it comes back. That's the only it, part it, I don't like in the movie. It's, if, like, if you were going to find it, if you were going to find an unnecessary moment in the movie, that would be it. But you need it. It's because it's also it goes back from the beginning where he want. That's what he wants to do. He wants to play in a rock and roll band. He wants to play in his band and he gets rejected. So it's finally. And it's also just it's like it's, it's that moment that of he's euphoria. playing in the band. I think yeah. it's fun that he's playing and that he's because uh, the, the, the other player can't. You need the music so that they can dance and kiss. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. You want to see him let loose with the rock and roll. It's it's fine but it felt like a little bit it felt like that extra ending with malachi was the we say malachi he's an, an actor who was in a lot of movies we've seen in the 80s we call him malachi because malachi was the character in children of the corn but he's a, a human being with a name that we don't know who is very good and plays patrick gets shit people. on his house and can't yeah, buy me love going house. back to the whole yeah, shit go, theme of this yeah, summer just, just he lives with brother look. theodore and the birds yeah. somehow he's, he's one of the great unsung actors of the 80s um yes. but we're singing about him you shit on my house man. You shit out of my house. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's there to uh, yeah, whatever to support. I, the thing you say about George McFly's choice—that's all well and good, but we don't see that. It's a very manipulative moment because what we see is we see him shrinking away and being old George McFly, and then all of a sudden he's there saying, you know, pushing the guy away. We yeah. don't see, yeah, but we don't see him make that decision. It's a manipulative thing. It's the way a lot of movies are like, let's have an extra ending. Let's have an extra little 
moment that we don't uh, no, really I don't need. I gotta normally I'm on I'm on board with you with this stuff. In a screenplay this tight, the way you would do it is take out the Malachi moment and have because you need you do need the moment of Marty McFly fading away and looking at his hand and it's starting to fade and they the, need pic- to kiss. And they the need picture to kiss. is yeah. starting to fade and all of that. So we need them to we need to see the the that the Malachi moment is there so that we get that moment. But in a movie with a screenplay this tight, find a different way. Find a di- find a way to work I that moment into the moment in which maybe the punch out happens, but, or but just after it, or something like yes, that. You know yes. what I mean? It would be because too pat. It would be too too pat and too. I I know what you're I saying, but I you, like you the, need. I like you need the something extra. I love the I love the Johnny be good, but I no I, no no. I'm I, saying I, the Malachi moment as we're calling no, it now. I don't. This, know. this will forever be known in this podcast. Whenever there's a moment that, that someone thinks is a little too much, we call it the <laughs> if Malachi. Malachi had walked up to George McFly with a scythe and said, <laughs> "You sit out my house." Now I'm on board. Now you've got my money. I wish the cat first. I, two things I wish about it. The, the things that are ham fisted about it. The, the shot of Malachi pulling her into the crowd. Like, <laughs> I'm going to yeah, That's idiotic. You. That it's is horrible. Terrible. It's a horrible shot. Yeah. And the fact that we don't see George the same way we see beautifully everything, all everything going through his head when he's, when makes he makes the decision the to yeah. punt, when he makes the fist. Yeah. We should see if if he's going to be like, oh yeah, I'll give I defer, you that. I defer. Yeah, I'll give you that. Then we should see him decide no, as opposed to weak guy who all of a sudden you do a hard cut and then he's an action hero. Like, no, that's my girl, and pushes him away. I didn't like it because I it felt, and I know movies like this are manipulative, but I what I love about this movie is. It does not. It never really feels manipulative, even though it's clearly it's it's getting you from point A to B to C to D in the way exactly the way it wants you to. It is in many ways manipulating you, but it does it so beautifully. And that felt it just. Yeah, it it, it felt uh, um, that it wasn't done artfully and it didn't show me the character's decision. If Brother Theodore had played the principal and wandered over and said, Malika, leave her alone. Patrick Dempsey, get over here. And Michael J. Fox said, I'm Michael J. Fox. Now you've got all of the Malachi movies (laughs) in one moment. You know, something that bothered me. And again, this is like, this is, this is something that will only bother Fred Berman. But Uh in this rewatch, I was looking some stuff up and I guess, oh no, after all these years, I can feel at peace. I was always, I love the moment where he shows up. I love the whole thing. Like, it's just great. He's got the plutonium suit. So they think he's an alien. And I love what does the so kids good. say when he comes out. It's like, you know, he, it's he's, he's, already, uh, he's, he's already mutated into human form. Shoot it, Dad. <laughs> it. That's yeah. great. Uh, but so <laughs> I love when he, 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 he uses that. To, he's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that idea, and he knows that that um, that George loves sci-fi, so the idea yeah. of him scaring him so and good. putting the Walkman on his ears, and I always remember for the longest time, literally until this morning, being upset because he takes a tape out and it says Eddie Van Halen, yeah, and he puts it, and I remember even in the in the theaters going, well, that's not a Van Halen song, they're just why do they use his name? But what I just found, and I, it always upset me a little bit. I'm like, no. they couldn't use a Van Halen song. They, they couldn't use Eruption. Why didn't they do that? That's not really, you know, in the same way that you're like, well, that's not really him singing Johnny Be Good. But what I just read this morning was Uh-oh. that it is Van Halen. Play. It's Eddie Van Halen playing. <sighs> the band didn't want them to use a song. And Eddie Van Halen was like, 
no, I'll fucking play something. So he just recorded something for that. So Fantastic. now I am at peace. I am at That's peace with it. so freaking cool. The That's other question so cool. that I had, but it, it's, it's almost, it's a nod to the movie that you don't really question it because watching it this time, I thought, why are they friends? Why is Marty Ooh. McFly just walking into this weird old guy's <laughs> yeah. house? Oh. But you never, but it's so... But I think that again, that's, that's a tip of the hat to the movie because you don't, I, I never questioned it until this moment. And I was just no. curious. I'm like, Oh, is there a line or like, is there something where he's like, Oh, you're my videographer or something like something that I always missed, but <laughs> you're my just, dramaturg. Oh, yeah. And now, and I, and <laughs> in some of the reading I was doing, I guess there was stuff in previous scripts where he had he was looking for like a job and and Doc Brown hired him to 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 mop up his office space or something. But there's nothing there's nothing in the movie, but, which is a little weird and creepy. You know, you're like, why, well, why is he hanging he, out with this old dude? But I've got Hershey bar all it. over myself. I need someone to hose me down. You seem good. <laughs> But it works, you know, and that's, it that's such a, it's, it's a sort of a beautiful thing about how they play it and how it's constructed that you never go, this is creepy. You just sort of like, no, these guys no. are friends and yeah. it's all natural and it's a very lived in relationship. You know, they've been doing this for a long time mm -hmm. and yeah, that's sort of amazing. It, it, like it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't work as well as it does without having that weird creep factor. I'm telling the truth, Doc, you gotta believe me. Then tell me future boy <laughs> who's president of the united states in 1985 ronald reagan ronald reagan the actor good night future boy no wait doc doc the, the the bruise the bruise in your head i know how that happened you told me the whole story you were standing on your toilet and you were hanging a clock and you fell and you hit your head on the sink and that's when he came up with the idea for the flux capacitor which is what makes time travel possible you know right. what's weird is I always thought when he comes in and he's coming there so that he can play and, you know, and Doc's got all the equipment, all that <laughs> yeah. sound. I was like, oh, well, it's just like he's this, you know, this kooky scientist who just has this stuff. And somehow they met and Marty's like, oh, I just come over. I, you know, I don't have that much. I have an affinity for the guy, but I'm really just here to use his <laughs> to use his amps or whatever. I mean, yeah. I, that's kind of like what the beginning tells you that like Doc Brown happens to have equipment that's fun for him to, you know, mm -hmm. to, to play rock and roll with. Sure. And, and that's yeah, but that's it. That's all the explanation you really ever get. And it's the fact that it's fine and doesn't need any more explaining is pretty fascinating <laughs> you it's just go you just go all in. i'm trying to think are there equivalents like are there other like kind of pairs like that that you say like that we have in our pop culture you know what i mean like data banks or something where you're like i Scott don't Bayo, think it's crothers from zap <laughs> but you know he's a student scamming crothers is the janitor they both like salami they like you know salami. Well, there you go. That's it. That explains it right there. Yeah. How this is brilliant a rip off of that. Yeah. How brilliant that a DeLorean, now a DeLorean is totally no longer is synonymous with having been a, an actual car. No. Right? It's just, it, it is a time machine. It's yeah. so brilliant. The idea of a, it's the simplest idea in the world to say a car 
is a time mm-hmm. machine since a car goes places. You know what I mean? Time machines are always mm-hmm. like built to be like a pod somewhere and it's like it just stays stationary <laughs> and like you go in and you get transported like it's Star Trek. But <laughs> being a car that needs to get up to a certain speed to cross the time barrier is so brilliant. And maybe that's been done in other media or other things, but I, I've never seen it. And I just think it's yeah. so, it's so brilliant. It's I feel like this is the first time for all, like it seems in retrospect, it all seems like such a simple idea. You go back yes. in time, you see your parents, but I don't remember it being done at the time. It seems so new. And there was something, you know, going back to the fifties, there was something, there was just something nice and clean. Yeah. Uh, about that, where you know, you talk about iconic. I mean, you have the, one of the biggest movies ever with Avengers Endgame, you know, yeah, and one of the main cruxes of that this. movie is yeah. w- no, we need to change what we've learned from Back to the Future. That's, <laughs> That's the, right. biggest, the biggest struggle that anyone has <laughs> with Endgame is, but no, we were taught, we were literally all right. taught about time travel and mm-hmm. science and yeah. physics and time-space right. continuum right. Space from continuum. Back to the Future. That was the biggest challenge. In, in over 20 movies, that was the biggest thing that they had to contend with was how do we somehow kind of try to erase <laughs> the myth of Back to the, <laughs> future. To the future? And yeah. if you were going to say that there was one thing that was unsuccessful about Avengers Endgame, it's that, that they sort of, you can't just fucking stick to Back to the Future, guys. Right. Just stick, stick to, to that. that logic that was established very yeah. firmly in that movie. Even yeah. though, and you know, and it's funny because, you know, Doc Brown is constantly saying this, you can't tamper, don't do too much, don't, you can't tamper yeah. too much with the future because it's going to have these ramifications. And the movie uses that conveniently when it's helpful and it forgets yes, yeah. about it when it's not yes. helpful. Like Completely so, forgets because, about it in part because, three. <laughs> yes, and because the butterfly effect is just like every little thing you do fucks with every other thing so doc brown would know this is this is madness like anything (laughs) anything is going to fuck up the future so the fact that there's this idea that like oh well no if you do certain things and as long as you get back to point you know as long as you end up back at this at this second uh you'll be okay anything you've done or said will uh won't have much of an effect as long as whatever the the tin can gets from here to here you know what i mean it gets it gets it gets super (laughs) simplified into uh you know, but which it needs to, it needs it to, has, any time travel to. Move, that's, it has yes, to. That's and so as long as it plays this. by a, a certain level of logic, which right. this one does spectacularly, mm-hmm. you, you can buy everything else. If you think too hard, you're like, yeah, but you're like, come on, they're traveling through time in a car. Yeah, let's, let's calm down. So it works very very well. And yeah, and then the second and third, it starts coming apart at the seams. It especially at the, the third. seams, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the thing with the, what you've just put me in mind of, Jason, is that in essence, the time traveling is, and, and you too, Fred, is, is a MacGuffin for, you know, let's get to the moment where he meets his parents. Leah Thompson is brilliant in this because yeah, she's great. And, and I love yeah. the fact that all of these char- all of these actors have to play different versions of themselves. You mentioned it before with Thomas F. Wilson. And and Leah Thompson plays several versions of herself and her ancestors throughout these three movies. And yeah. she's terrific. And what I love, you know, is that at the time when I saw this, and I told you I saw this with my sister, we loved it. I remember laughing spectacularly with her at everything Crispin Glover did. That's the reason we went back to see it so many times was Crispin goddamn Glover, who's so He's good so in it. Good. We you love know, my favorite that. moment, my favorite Crispin Glover is the give me a milk. 
chocolate. Chocolate. We that his physicality like, in that scene. Oh my god! It's insane. And it's wiping crazy. it from his lips. Lorraine, yeah. my density has brought me to you. What? Oh, what I meant to say was. Wait a minute. Don't I know you from somewhere? Yes. Yes. I'm George. George McFly. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. The moment in the car when he's with his mom (laughs) and... It's, it, you know, it's not, it's creepy. It's weird. It's borderline incestuous. It's odd. You've never seen anything in a movie like that before. But the second they kiss, it's over. All yeah. her feeling for him yeah. goes out of her, her face, her body, everything. And she's just like, oh, my God. And it becomes uncreepy because yeah. she goes, this is wrong. She says the words that we were all thinking, this is wrong. That's a brilliant moment. That's borderline the best moment in the movie. Because thank God. I mean, if if that moment wasn't there, then you'd have, then we'd have an American orgy part, whatever was on the the marquee in the the beginning of the movie. Whatever Gene Shalit saw or thought he saw. Um, But but backside to the spew chair. For the love. It's what Um, he saw. Listen, and he's legit. The, the, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, the, the, the way that this movie, you talked about sort of how iconic um, it became. Um, so I think I mentioned in a previous episode, my favorite movie had been Return of the Jedi until Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out. Then that yeah. became mm-hmm. my favorite movie. And then this, Jason, the second I walked out of the theater, just like you, I went, that's the best movie I've ever seen. And that's the best movie I'll ever see. <laughs> and I, I immediately went home and told the entire plot of it to my family at the dinner table. Yeah. And my grandmother, I'll never forget. My grandmother was like, all right, that's enough. You know, like she was, she had, I was telling her like the John F. Kennedy joke and things like that. And she was politely <laughs> laughing and stuff, but I was so enthusiastic and so like effusive about it that she was like, all right, that's too much for the dinner table. You're a little too excited. You know, and it became, it, 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 you know, it was very cute. And it was, it was my, my favorite movie for decades after this, that I, nothing oh, wow. topped it for Decades for decades, you know, I I am so enamored of this movie. The last time I saw this movie and big shout out to my buddies, uh, Brendan and Corey, uh, who uh, saw this um, with me. They they listen to the podcast. Um, They live in L.A. or Brendan uh, used to live in L.A. Do you know the last time I saw this movie before this rewatch was pre-COVID? I went out to L.A. to visit them. And it was a rooftop showing of Back to the Future. Oh, cool. Of all places. The Ricardo Montalban Theater. There's a movie theater in L.A. called the Montalban, and they have rooftop movies. And in the middle of the movie, no, was it in the middle of the movie? I think just before it started, there was an earthquake. And oh, wow. it moved us and the oh. whole building. And you could see in the neck in the building next to it and next to us that the, 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 um, the blinds or the shades were moving back and forth. And we were like. 
you know, and I looked at them and I was like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, earthquake. Cause you know, LA people are like, yeah, yeah every five yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. And pe- some people got up and left and were like, nope, we're not staying up here. <laughs> and we stuck it out. And so that was the last time I had seen that. And it's my friend Brendan's favorite movie. And I don't think he knows that we're doing this as an episode, but he's going to be thrilled because he's been asking. He's like, when are you guys going to do BTTF? When are you guys going to do it? When are you guys going to do it? I mean, I have it? friends, my friends, Christina, Christina. Uh, uh, shut up yeah. your face. Their wedding, oh, they, had to, they rented yeah. the DeLorean. What? Yeah. When Christine and her husband it? got married, they they had a DeLorean at their wedding. <gasps> yeah, I mean, you're people, kidding. You're yeah. kidding me. I mean, it, that's, that's so the thing cool. that struck me watch rewatching this time was just thinking, like, I always loved the movie, and I always knew that it's such a huge part of our, you know, of, 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 of the pop culture and and just mm-hmm. culture in, in general. But I was like, wow, this is this is I that feeling that I felt when I first saw it. I'm like, this is iconic. There's so many lines. It's like Caddyshack. It's just one of those movies. So that's, I mean, even more so in a way than Caddyshack. Caddyshack is very quotable to a certain subsection of geniuses, but correct. this movie, everyone knows, you know, everyone knows 121 gigawatts and, you know, the power of love and the flux capacitor, you know, hello, McFly, make like a tree and get out like those things. It's just, it's a part of our world now and just going, wow, this, I forgot what an impact this movie mm-hmm. had on everyone and continues to. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the it's National timeless. Film Registry archive, which means it will be preserved for all time as yeah. long as, you know, humans yeah. are, are, are here as an icon of culture, as yeah. a, a cultural icon, the way Star and Wars. And there's not much about it that's dated. You know, you can't really, I mean, yes, it's 1985, but there's still nothing about it that you can look at and go, oh, well, that's, we don't really do that. Like that, that my kids would look at it and go, why are they doing that? That's weird. Or like that, you know, we don't do it. It, it, it all still lives in this sort of perfect little world. I mean, there's a Reagan joke. But, you know, everyone still knows who Reagan was. And uh, it's, yeah, it's sort of, it it still holds up completely as just as as iconically as it did back then. Yeah, it's helpful that the movie, you know, you say like, well, it goes back to the the 50s and, and we, how accessible it feels to go back to the 50s. And even if you were a kid in the 80s, you have a, you have a mental framework for that because- I can't think of another decade that that pop culture has gone back to so much. At <laughs> that time, we had just had Happy Days for 10 years, Laverne yes. and Shirley for 10 years, Grease, all these things mm-hmm. that were like, you know, the 50s were like a part of our childhood. So it was not a the stri- idealized like we know it's the 50s. past, right? The idealized right. We 50s. know it's the past, but it's also we have lots of context for it we can watch it and we're mm-hmm. not confused or like we don't feel like we're in a foreign land because we've had all this pop culture that has fed us the 1950s for years and years at that point so that's also kind of brilliant that uh you know mm, it, yeah. um, it isn't alienating in that way it's not like oh I, I feel like i don't know enough about this time that i feel lost or something you feel like comfortable in your discomfort you're like oh yeah yeah yeah. i, I know where this is going the, the pool in the way the third one the, goes back to the idealized version of the exactly old West, something the West. Yeah. that is accessible yeah, iconography of, of yeah, these yeah. particular times, uh, you know, that we and remember, you know, you could still when we were growing up, you could throw on, you know, 
uh, uh, late night TV or Nickelodeon or whatever and watch old Leave it to Beavers and things like yeah. that, you know, yeah. and it was still part of that. And that that's what the, the version of the 50s that this movie is going back to is that mm. idealized sort of TV version of the 50s, which I love. I yeah. kind of love that, that it's going there instead. Um, did you pick up this, which I didn't pick up until I had seen it when I saw it at the Montalban with my friends. Um, the mayor in the 50s is red and red is the homeless guy on the bench in the 80s. That's the mayor of Hill Valley oh, from the 50s. He says, that's hey, funny. Red, no, I never picked that it. up. I never, I never thought Isn't that, that, that was the mayor. That's so Again, funny. it rewards, the movie constantly rewards you for paying attention to it. That yeah. is funny because watching it this time, I thought, wow, they're really holding on that homeless guy on the bench. Mm-hmm. Is he someone? And I didn't, I couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, I thought, was, he, was he earlier something. in the movie? It yeah. is a little that's funny. funny. I will say one thing about the movie is that it's not a couple times. Christopher Lloyd and the actor who plays um, Strickland, it's you don't really they don't feel like they've aged 30 years and the movie does not do a good job of aging them up or Mm. or de-aging them in any significant way. You know, I I don't I don't buy that Strickland is the is the the principal or whatever he is, vice principal in 1955 and 1985. It, he doesn't right. look any different. And on they give a, him a little hair. HD, <laughs> they put hair you on. See, yeah. You see, you yeah, see, but they don't give him enough. They should give him more fucking hair. You right. don't, yeah. he does not look, he looks the exact same age. <laughs> and what you do see, and again, HD is oh, bad. Yeah. You see like the bad, like makeup where it's like just, you know, it's just like some wrinkles painted on it, just like some paint that then when your face moves, it crinkles it up and it gives you a little bit of crow's feet action, but it doesn't look very good. We and not I hate HD. Watch, watch these movies HD. in 4K, Aquos, Ultra, blah, blah, blah. They were not <laughs> no. meant to be seen that I turn that, that way. Sh- as soon as I get a TV, I turn all that shit off if but it's new. I don't want to say it that even way. That, I'm never going to get anything more than 1080p ever. I will I will not purchase a TV that has more than 720 I'm, or 1080 I'm, I'm still Shit on my black and white television that we had in the kitchen from Good 1980. We watched Barney Miller. That's it. No, but the, it's the only the, way to watch movies. But even uh, in 1985, uh, it was like these people don't look like they did. Yeah, you're so right. That's that's yeah. all. Yeah. That, that's my only point. I'm like, and is that why odd. they do the joke in the second one? I don't mean to skip ahead. Where he peels off the <laughs> I think so. The, the stuff I think so. And he looks exactly the same. Like there's yeah, no change. I think that's exactly is that why what they that do joke that. is about? Okay. He does look fresher though. He does look a little. Yeah. He looks. He's got a little more color. He, he had a chem. He had a Doctor Zizmore chemical peel. He, he did a nice job there. Um, well, getting right. to that one, do you want to shield this one up? How many gigawatts for this? Oh my god! I have to go. I have to go nine point seven five because it is so close to being utterly perfect. I wish that I don't know what you. I don't have a solution for the Malachi moment, as we will now call it forever. But the but I, I know that it at the time and now it still feels like gilding the lily. It still feels like oh right, this happens. Yeah. you know what I mean. I've I always like felt moment. Malachi. If you're listening, I like you're the sorry. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Stand by yeah. it. He's great. No, Malachi's always great. He's never not good. But uh, it, the, that moment, I feel like in a screenplay this tight should have been tighter. So that's the only thing I can say. Uh, in the negative column about this, about this whole thing. I agree. Uh, so 9.75. I agree with you. Uh, that's the only negative thing I'd have to say. I, I'll go 9.5. When I was 14, it was a full on 10 unequivocally. Mm-hmm. I'll give it 9.5. Yeah. 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 I'll do a 9.5 as well. 
It's fucking That's great. Where I am. It's fucking great. And I think that uh, just automatically takes us into. Wait, hold on. Can we, wait, can we stop before we do that? Yeah. I just want to, I want to recast Dan real quick. Please. With Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> if, if possible. That if makes, we can, is that okay? Uh, we, can, it, we can do it. I don't know if she's available, but, um, but I'm more of an Andrew it. shoe. I've been told. I'm, not, I'm actually more of a shoe. I'm more of an, just, old just, yeah, just an, an old shoe. An old shoe. An old brown shoe. shoe. <laughs> oh yeah. It's uh, and it's really, it's fascinating. The corner they painted themselves in because <laughs> she does nothing. No. <laughs> the, well, amazing. whatever. We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to yeah. it, but it's very interesting. It's like, wow, what a weird way to start your movie. <sighs> and that movie, <laughs> that weird movie, is Back <laughs> to the Future Part Two. The time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. But they'll all be back. Eat less slackers! Biff? Hello? Hey. Hello, anybody home? Why they can't be you? You're so big. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. Michael J. Fox. More like a couple of teenagers, you know? And Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future, Part 2. Picking up exactly where the original film left off, Back to the Future Part 2 sees Marty and Doc, again played by Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, save Marty's future son from disaster, only to return to a 1985 that has been drastically transformed. In this nightmarish version of Hill Valley, Marty's father has been murdered, and Biff Tannen, Marty's nemesis, played by Thomas F. Wilson, has profited. After uncovering the secret to Biff's success, a sports almanac from the future, Marty and Doc embark on a quest to repair the space-time continuum. Crispin Glover chose not to return to the role of Marty's father, George McFly, when he was offered less than half of what the other returning actors were paid, and filed a lawsuit against the producers of the film after they replaced him with an actor covered in prosthetics designed to replicate Glover's likeness. As a result of the lawsuit, there are now clauses in the Screen Actors Guild's collective bargaining agreements stating that producers and actors are not allowed to use such methods to reproduce the likeness of other performers. Claudia Wells, who played Marty's girlfriend Jennifer in the first Back to the Future, did not return to the role for personal reasons and was replaced by Elizabeth Shue solely because the original film's ending saw both Marty and Jennifer travel into the future with Doc. However, approximately 90% of Shue's work in the film is a shot-for-shot remake of the final scenes of Back to the Future. Curiously, after going to such lengths to recreate her scenes from the first movie, the character of Jennifer is then sidelined for the rest of the film and all of Back to the Future Part 3 and would likely not have been recast at all had Marty simply climbed into Doc's DeLorean by himself as the credits rolled way back in July of 1985. Opening with $27.8 million over Thanksgiving weekend 1989, Back to the Future Part 2 earned $119 million domestically and $332.5 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think? Of Back to the Future, part two. I remember going to see this in the theaters opening weekend. I went with, I'm pretty sure it was Damon and our friend Paul, uh, a bunch of us, and uh, some of my friends who were a little older than I was. And 
we were baffled and annoyed Mm -hmm. and confused Mm -hmm. and more baffled and just what is going, what is going on? What is going on? And I remember just all of us just walking out and we probably went to like Swenson's afterwards for ice cream. We went to the diner, the landmark diner to get a bacon, egg and ham and cheese on a roll, which was our want. And just being like, what the fuck did we just see? What? They just shat the bed. What? What is going on? What happened? It was, I remember, I remember going to see Total Recall in the theater and I sat, I was like front row and that movie blew me away in the best way ever. I -hmm. remember that was the first time seeing a movie where I felt like the dude in the commercials where he's getting blown back by the sound. What was that? Uh, Memorex or Dolby or what was the famous? Yeah. It's like that feeling of like, whoa, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it was, I felt that way with this, but in a very negative way. It's like, what, what's happening? Yeah. Slow down. What's going on? What, what's, what is going on? I got to say in rewatching it, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun and I, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Now it's still, it's a messy all over the place movie. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing in the beginning, and I read somewhere that Bob Gallon's and Mekis, they're like, we fucked up because we shouldn't yeah. have had the girlfriend at the end. Well, that's what it did. They, they, they created a problem for themselves and then they, they didn't want to yeah. use her. They could have used her in the movie and they didn't even use her. They just make her pass out in an alley. It's so bad. It's bad. It, Cause it would, it would have made it even more confusing to have added her into the mix. And I, it was, it, I, it, you know, like I said, in the interview I read, they're like, yeah, that was a mistake. We screwed up. We had to fix it somehow because it's a confusing movie, but it all, it, to my mind, it does track. It still sticks to the back to the future time travel rules where I think you lose it is in the third one. In this one, they stick to it. And I was, and, and I was pretty impressed going, wow, how did they keep track and the ramifications <laughs> are crazy i mean everything it, it, they really go to that that full butterfly effect you, you know where it's like you step on a butterfly and you know in, in in the dinosaur age and it's gonna affect something you know it's it's the, the chaos theory yeah, yeah they go full out and i read somewhere that zemeckis has said he's like i'm proud of it's like the craziest movie i've ever made uh <laughs> and it, it is to you know whether you know, to varying returns, you know, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it or you're going to, but I, I, I did enjoy it this time. There was something, um, first of all, as I said earlier, Thomas F. Wilson is the MVP in this movie. I think I was, I really enjoyed him. I thought everything he did was spot on. I love seeing all the different versions. I mean, his, the young, um, what's his name? Griff. Yeah, crazy Griff, the uh, young Griff in the future. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. I, I sort of liked it. I'm like, he's I going for it. I think he was it. inspired by Bozo from the Toxic Avenger. 
I, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly, Dan, I mean, you're saying that as a joke. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I think he was, I actually, what I think he was doing was like a lot of those early eighties, like this, um, there was that movie class of 1984, mm-hmm, yes. like any like futuristic movie like mm-hmm. that. There was always yeah. like, or like even the warriors, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like an apocalyptic future. There's always this weird, crazy dude. And yep. It's a I very, thought that's what it's he was a very doing. Tromoville and performance in that. Yeah, role. <laughs> I sort of liked it. Uh, I thought when they get back to '85, I mean, there's something very—it's um, a wonderful life about the first one in many mm-hmm. ways. You know, I think it's even more so is like when well, this it, is it, like it, Potter's it, Field when they go. That's back what I meant. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, Pottersville. Yeah, yeah. with right. um, Strickland reminded me of. Um, What's his name? Uh, 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 the name of the bartender in It's a Wonderful Life. You know, all right. Matt. Martini? Is it Martini? Mart- no, not Martini. The, um, Nick. 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 That's Nick. it. You reminded I'll me of to Nick. go out the door or through the <laughs> window. <laughs> exactly. That's what it felt like. Pixies. It was like, yeah, it was that dark Pottersville, um, you know, Nixon's in his fifth turn. I just thought, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was surprised. Well, Biff is Trump. Biff is 100,000. Oh, yeah. Totally Trump. Yeah. Totally Trump. Yeah. It's really, it's, yeah, I, I was, I was surprised at, that I was enjoying it. I was surprised that I'm like, wow, this is real. This is Biff's movie. This is his movie. And he's fucking dark. Uh, oh my God. When he goes, get the hell out of my car, old man, that killed me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I mean, it loses, the movie definitely loses steam. When he's trying to get the almanac, that goes on for a long time. When he's trying to steal it back, that goes on forever. Uh, Jason. Yeah. Your good friend Wesley Mann is in it. Wesley Mann is the CPR kid. He's great. Everybody, uh, uh, that's people always come up to him and like remember, you know, Back to the Future 2 was a big. Uh, you know, it's, and it's good. It's a good part. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, a, it's bigger than I remember. I always thought he had like one line in it. I forgot he had like that. He's got a couple sequence. scenes. He's got a couple yeah. scenes. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Hey, did you just take his wallet? He just took that guy's wallet. That's I the best thing rem- about the movie is that somebody I know got work from, <laughs> from this movie. <laughs> I don't remember it ending with the teaser for part three. I don't remember that. I do remember at that. All. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah. That brought me, I was like, wait, really? Is that what it ended, how it ended in the theater? Yeah, it did. But so, yeah. you know, is it a great, it's a, it's a mess of a fucking movie, but it wasn't a big a mess as I remembered it being. Okay. And I actually, mm-hmm. I had a pretty good time watching it. At least the, the first half of it, I was, I sort yeah. of enjoyed. I, I can tell. I know you guys. Most people feel otherwise, you know. And it's still not going to be a high Sheila for me. But I was pleasantly surprised by just the fucking crazy. You know, I, I, I good for Crispin Glover. You know, because they shouldn't have done that. And good for him for changing the rules uh, in terms yeah. of in terms of us as actors and what we can do. But I just thought it was. I'm like the movie's so lacking. Oh wow! So. It, if you're well, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get past that, go. I love how they just they turn him up in the future. He just flies around upside down, so you can't really. Mm, I know. <laughs> it's, I it's fucking it's, ridiculous. I know. It's absurd. Uh, the movie <laughs> suffers greatly, greatly for the lack of Crispin Glover. He yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. He he is part of the the DNA of that first movie. He's part of the heart and soul of it, 
And that's the thing that's missing from this movie is the heart. And that's heart. why they try to go back to it with the third movie and have Doc Brown, who's really the lead of the third movie. Um, yes. Uh, they, they, they bring heart into it. There's no heart in this second one. No. And there's very little humor. I didn't laugh watching yeah, the second funny. one. There's no, there, it's, it's clever, but it's not witty. And um, it's all it, it, the machine. This, it's all the clockwork. Yes. It's like all the pieces of the clockwork without being imbued with with any of the there charm. Of it the, feels like um, a laborious machine to get us to the third one. <laughs> and it, mm. and I, 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 you're exactly right about that almanac section with James Tolkien and everything. And we're trying to really crawl through the office and get the almanac back. We're, 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 the almanac bogs this movie down. And I had forgotten that. I had forgot <laughs> utterly that that was the, that's the MacGuffin of this whole movie is we got to get the almanac. It's like, really? This is a movie about a sports almanac? <laughs> <laughs> it's all I, I remember it. about the It's all about a sports almanac. And here's the irony. <laughs> one of the iron, ironic sort of meta ironies of this is that I I didn't hear that stuff about Crispin Glover not doing the second one because of money, because mm -hmm. of money issues. What I heard had heard was that he was so disappointed by the way they chose to end the first one, which he is does all say about that as well. I've read that money, as well. Right. right. <laughs> that, that it's all money. And that, oh, so that's the message of, of Back to the Future 1, that as long as you have money, you're happy, as long as the family's prosperous. Uh, he, and he had big problems with, with you know, and, and arguments with Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale about that. And isn't it ironic that ultimately this movie kind of seeks to correct that and says, OK, if you're greedy, this movie's about greed, about the perils of greed, you know, and if you want to, you know, use the time machine for greed purposes, as Marty is tempted to do and almost does and then Biff does and we see the terrible ramifications of that <laughs> he had Crispin Glover come back he would have he would have been you know um uh, uh, I guess maybe mollified a little bit because it's like the perils of greed. But then you have the meta meta level of yeah. no, it was actually about money. They didn't pay him enough, and that's why he didn't. <laughs> the real reason he didn't come back. It's better to that, be mollified than Malachide. Oh, well, that, go, that goes without <laughs> that goes without this saying. This movie is a whole series of Malachi moments. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it it, really it's a never-ending Malachi moment. I think there are some as tight and perfect as the first screenplay is. This one is just, it's got so much fat on it. It's got so much stuff you don't need and uh, and, and so little that you do. I, I really... You know, th th there are some there are some good moments in there. I think all of Leah Thompson's stuff is great. Um, and I, I just wish that it had any wit and that it had any heart. Here's the thing. Yes, I agree with you 100 percent, Dan. I, the thing one of the things that was most egregious to the movie about me is that it introduces something that then plays through both of the the sequels mm -hmm. that I don't recall being a part of Back to the Future, oh, which is that thing, yeah. which is that. Yeah, which is that. Michael J. Fox is set off. If he's called a chicken, he's not mature yeah. enough that he can't be called a chicken, a baby, a coward, whatever. Stupidity. What are you, chicken? Yellow. And, yeah. and then it will all, like, everything will flip and he will make terrible life decisions oh. and, and, and throw all caution to the wind Tacked based on, on the word chicken. Tacked on. And that is not a thing. That is not, not a thing. thing that we learned no, about his No, doesn't that happen character. in the first one? No. no. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't Biff call him a chicken in the first one? Am no. I making that up? 
And maybe I'm just conflating that with the second one. Maybe I'm thinking that that only happens in the second one. It's not established at all. It doesn't happen at all in in Back to the Future 1 and the first one? Not that I know of. Not that I can think of. Okay. And if it it does, it's not played as anything. So if you can't make it such a big part of the character... His his uh, Greek downfall, you know, right. is that is that oh, remember how he how he responds <laughs> to the phrase chicken because we don't see it get him in any trouble in the first one. Maybe he is called a chicken for a second, but I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, that's so it. funny. So I must have mm-hmm. been no. thinking of because again, w- when rewatching these, I watched the second one first, okay. right. and so when and he's called the chicken, and I just immediately thought, oh, that's right, because it happens. It's a callback to when it happens in the fifties in the well, diner. It feels like it would. Be, but right? it doesn't. That's it so does. interesting. Because I, yeah. by the time we got to the third one, I was absolutely agreeing with you. I'm going, oh, Jesus Christ, enough of the fucking chicken. <laughs> but I thought, but they did set it up in the first one. But you're right. It, they, they don't. don't. I don't think they do. Huh. I don't that's think they do. I watched them all back to back to back, like like pretty much all together. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's that's an unfortunate way to watch them because the first one is so excellent. And then I was like, oh, well, this can't so help good. but and I only saw this, I saw this once that I can recall. And so on opening night in the yeah. theater with my high school friends because it was it was my first semester um at Hofstra and I came back for Thanksgiving. So this is the first time I've seen my my high school buddies since starting college. And you know, and we went to the same movie theater. We would always go because we, we always went the night before Thanksgiving. We always went to see whatever the big movie was, Scrooged or Planes, Trains and Automobiles, whatever opened the night before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And we would go to the diner afterwards. And I remember like how deflated we all were because we were so like, well, this is going to be amazing. And then it was like, oh, it didn't it didn't work it was uh yeah it's just it was too and yes it's impressive very impressive all the machinations and all the things they figure out but it's um it's it winds up being cold and sterile as a result because it's about all the the machinations and not that's all it is i mean it's it's, it's really them saying i feel like it was an exercise and again i didn't mind it Uh, yes, it doesn't add up to much and it is cold and it's dark and sort of what's the point. But I feel like it was, you know, Bob Gallons and Mechas being like, okay, so let's really talk about the ramifications. What happens if you do step on that butterfly and, ooh, and then this would have to happen. Oh, but then this would have to happen. And it's them having fun figuring out what, how everything would affect, you know, how A would affect B to Z, blah, blah, blah. But yes, within that, there's no heart propping it all up. It's just, this is literally what would happen. You know, this, this is what, let's see how far we can take this and they take it pretty far. Mm -hmm. Does it add up to a fun movie? Not so much. I mean, I remember walking out, we were all angry. You know, this yeah. time I, I was Very I was more amused by it. I liked how Michael J., old Michael J. Fox really looked like Paul Williams. That was fun to me. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> That's so true. It's like he needs to be singing with Muppets right now. Yes. But the most egregious thing really is that, is that yeah. they leave Jennifer in an alley. They just leave her, they leave in, her in an alley and then they move her to her porch and they drop her off there and they say, she'll be See fine. Ya. And they say, she'll, she'll be, fine be fine after she's not fine the first time. They keep leaving her like a sack of meat on porches it's like ugh. and you know and zemeckis got a lot of call like oh misogynist because how much he sidelines the character but it is mm. because he just had no need for her but had to he ended his first movie with her Figure in the car and he's like yeah. god damn it now i gotta do something but they recreate the entire sequence you know what the truth is Ugh. if you recast elizabeth shoe if you put elizabeth shoe in there and just 
started from the point the car takes off into space or whatever We're into, fine. into time fine. because nobody knows she does so little you don't even have a chance to re- you, in in retrospect yeah. you'd scratch your head and be like is that a different girl but you wouldn't really because you see her for two seconds in the car and then she's passed out lying on a porch you could have just gotten anybody and just put hair in front of their face you didn't have to cast a new actress a a very good actress and have her reshoot every second of the girls perform it was so surreal i just kept thinking how weird that must have been to do all that like it must have been weird enough for everyone to like crispin glover and you know and thomas f wilson to have to film new scenes with the michael j fox but then right. I just, that's yes, what I was saying. Yes. Like, wow, it's that must have been so odd. But then, but this too, just like let's do the entire scene it verbatim, I, it, just do the whole yeah. thing. Because they were like, because we can't show the old footage. Because, but you really could have, because you could have just been like, oh, she passed out, and her hair's like, let's leave her in this alley. <laughs> but what's let's crazy watching porch. these back to back is you look at that redone scene with Elizabeth Shue, and you look at Michael J. Fox and and Christopher uh, Lloyd, and you go. Oh, they're, tr- they're, they're just kind of walking through it. They're four years older, clearly. Yeah. And they're just mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> going through the motions so of what weird. they think yes. they did four years prior. They yeah. just look older. It's, it's the very, it's, it's the shell very, of it. It's very weird. Yes, exactly. Not, That's a good way to put it. Same, it doesn't have the same feeling. And the funny thing is <laughs> from the second it started, you don't see Jennifer yet, but you see Michael J. Mm-hmm. Fox at the trial. I was like, That's different. He's older. Yep. Yeah. And maybe it's because I had, again, I had just just seen it, finished watching the first one. So then you're seeing the same scene played out. And I'm like, no. And he was still super young guy and handsome. And it's not like he was like, oh, he got fat or something. (laughs) But you can tell, you can see the difference. You can see like just those couple of years difference on his face. Something something's a little different. He's just a little bit older. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. It's such a weird opening. And I was like, man, they're doing every second of her part from the end of the movie. Is it that necessary? And I get it. You do want to like set up, remind us of the end, the way a lot of sequels will show the last couple seconds or, you know, but you know, Rocky fighting Apollo on to the next Right. Even the way Christopher Lloyd delivers the iconic line where we're going, we don't need roads is a stronger delivery in the first one than it is in the recreation of it in the second one. It's not as, it's just not as good. It's just this whole thing with this movie. It's just, it ain't up to par. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. You shit on my house, man. You shit on my house! Do you know the story of um, when Biff, old Biff, goes in the future, drops, or goes in the past, drops off the almanac, comes back to 1985, and is in pain and the cane breaks off in the car, which is how they know that Biff's been in the car. And then he wanders away and he's in abject pain and hurt and holding his stomach and everything. And he's just kind of wandering. And that never gets explained. Do you know what that's about? No. No. He, if you find the deleted scenes online, he then goes around the corner and fades away. So he has affected unknowingly his own existence. It's exactly what, oh. it, what almost happens to Marty 
Yeah. On the first one, wow. because of the Malachi moment, prevents it, <laughs> you know. Um, wow. But Biff has, because he has changed his own destiny He's, in the past. He dies earlier. He, he, he gets, as Doc Brown says, erased from existence. That's so cool. He gets erased from existence. It's kind of cool. They screened it that way and the audience didn't understand it. So I, they cut it. I wouldn't have understood it at that time on top of everything else going on for him right. to get out of the car and disappear. And right. then you don't have it explained any further. It would be like, exactly. Please. Now to further, to further confuse things, Zemeckis and Gale in interviews have half jokingly, half truthfully said, Oh yeah, that's because, uh, um, <laughs> Um, Lorraine shoots him in the nineties, you know, Lorraine shoots Biff in night, like 1996. And so Biff dies because Lorraine finally had enough of him. And people have taken that as, oh, that's the real truth of why Biff, you know, as canon, but they're, they're half joking. When you show the villain disappear, even if it's the older version, when you say, oh, you take the villain off of the, the chessboard like that, Mm -hmm. it feels like nothing matters like the, the, the threat doesn't yeah. the threat's not real if you <laughs> right. know like oh he did something and now he 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 ceases to exist at some point in the timeline even though he's yeah. an active threat in the other scenes you're like there's something that doesn't feel as real about it because you're like well he's somehow you know you're face to face with his mortality or his his uh, reality yeah. or something and, and it, Biff it does seem a like a real ephemeral. threat in this movie oh, like does. i said before to me this is biff's movie he's a he's a real threat he's he's a piece of shit in this yeah. movie yeah. and he yeah you need that and that that's what i enjoyed the most about it i think mm-hmm. but yeah very, you're right you he take is that very away good. Yeah. and thomas f wilson is very good and i think the best scene in the, my favorite parts of the movie the thing i enjoyed the most is his 1950s self interacting with the elderly grandfather yes, absolutely. Of totally. of i think that's great and i think his acting is really strong in in all the permutations of of Biff, yeah. really you know so mm-hmm. uh and and the what we're going to get to in the next one i think that character is very fun you know mad dog tannin is fun you know so he's a good actor a really good actor he's great yeah freaks and geeks coach fredericks so here's a question, maybe if you guys know. So obviously, we know that they filmed these. They filmed two and three at the same time. Yeah. Right. So they knew that was happening. Did they know when they did? Because, I mean, one, the first one ends on a cliffhanger, obviously, and it's, it's yeah. setting up something. To, did they know that they were going to do a sequel? I don't or? think so. Yeah, I, did, I, I can't imagine. Or to the, what do you to the first one. To the first one. No, I well, don't think so. Uh, Michael J. Fox didn't know because the story is he he didn't know until he saw the movie. Uh, I forget if he saw it in the theater on VHS. I think the story goes he saw a VHS of it and it says to be continued at the end of one. And he immediately got on the phone to his agent to make sure he was going to be in two. <laughs> so he didn't How know. Until but was that a new it. edition on the, on, when it came out on VHS? Cause I it don't remember that in the theater. Yeah. I don't yeah, remember it may that. It, it ended like a movie ends in, in the theater. <laughs> no, it's true. The to be continued, I think was really um, put on VHS for, for TV or something. Yeah. For yeah. home video. Uh, because yeah, because I remember it just ends so, perfectly with the yes DeLorean going off and then directed by Robert Zemeckis. And that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How Should many Sheila this yeah. one? Yes. Mm. Uh, six. Wow. Yeah. I was going to, well, 
I feel like I liked it a little more than you, so I should give it, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a, no, six feels right. I was going to give it a six to begin with. I'll go 5.5 because that means it barely tips into recommendable, which I yeah. think there's enough, you know, you have to see it to get to three. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, do you even have to, to, to see, well, we'll get there. I was going to say, do you even need to see three? But, I, I, yeah, I don't Yeah, I'll no. give it a six. I give it a three. I give it three <laughs> Sheilas. No, I don't, wow. I don't see, I don't. Yeah. It's it's unnecessary. It actually it actually hurts the first the, the the worst sequels hurt your memory of the of the originals. And this has uh when I watch it, it hurts my memory of the original. Yeah. But I so I, I like to think of the original as just ending where it ends and like, oh delightful, there's further adventures. Yeah, and it's the I don't end need of the to story. see them. Yeah. It's the end of the, it's the end mm-hmm. of that story. You know what you've no. talked me down, I'm going five. I can neither recommend it nor unrecommend it because it's just bleh. It's like plain pudding. It's like tapioca pudding. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well yeah, I'll done. eat it if it's there. Lots it's in front of amazing of artistry, lots of interesting, you know, lots of, I mean, the, the think, I mean, I could never sit there and write this, the, you know, the mechanics of this screenplay. No, I'm not saying there's not excellent work and talented people involved. It just, it just doesn't gel into anything. And actually, yeah, because it makes me feel icky about back to the future <laughs> as a property i'm like oh it's i'm giving it a low shield account so. yeah you're right you're talking me down too but i'll keep it at six only because for the sake of the half hollow hills kids or damon or anyone else keeping score they get annoyed when i change things so i'm just i you know i'm gonna sit in it i i made my i made my six and i will i will sit in it i'm gonna sit in it like a melted hershey bar i'll sit in it ready to jump on in back to the future part three doc's living in the past just try it tenant but he's about to be history what kind of a future do you call that i'm going back to 1885 and i'm bringing you home it's the last roundup It's the final showdown. Hey, lighten up, jerk. Where Marty makes a name for himself. What's your name, dude? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? In this final chapter, oh, oh, thank Christ. No, I'm kidding. In this final chapter, Michael J. Fox's Marty McFly obtains a 70-year-old message from Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown, in which the latter informs Marty that he has retired to a small town in the Old West to live happily ever after. However, when Marty finds out that Doc was murdered just days after sending the letter, he decides to travel back in time to 1885, where he must somehow attempt to disentangle a love-struck Doc from a romance with the lovely Clara, played by Mary Steenburgen, and repair the DeLorean, all while avoiding a posse of gunslingers led by Thomas F. Wilson's Mad Dog Tannen, great-grandfather of the trilogy's big bad, Biff. Back to the Future Part 3 was the least successful of the trilogy, taking in $19 million over its opening weekend, en route to an $88.3 million domestic haul, and a total worldwide box office of $245 million. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think of Back to the Future Part 3? I have a, okay, I have a five-word review. Okay. Pay him the $80. <laughs> Pay him the $80. <laughs> You're done. 
No, you did simplest. <laughs> D- dumbest. You're saying uh, to Crispin Glover uh, to get him to come back to do the movie, right? <laughs> that would have SAG-AFTRA, pay Crispin Glover the $80 he's asking for. <laughs> Give him the per diem. No, the, 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 the I mean, wh- why is that never, you set up the most easily preventable. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, over a matter of $80. You put it in the opening half hour. He's killed over a matter of $80. Okay. Let's give Biff $80. <laughs> done. We're done. Marty McFly goes back in time. He sets up like a lemonade stand. They raise the money. That's it. Listen. Sell anything in Doc Brown's giant blacksmith shop. For eighty, I mean, how, what's the modern day? What's the 1985 equivalent of eighty dollars? What's the 1955 equivalent of it? Who cares? Get eighty dollars somehow and give <laughs> and you know. give Biff Tannen eighty dollars and walk away, and you're done. Go back to the, you know, fix the DeLorean. Go back to where you're supposed to be. That's and really. Would any of true. this matter anyway? Because if he's if Doc Brown is according to the rules of Back to the Future. Maybe I missed something. No, if you Doc didn't. Brown is killed back in 1885, he wouldn't even be alive in 1955, right? He'd no, be erased. No, no, no. no. He, it's the it's the it's the it's the future. Ver, it's the 85 version of it's the 1985 version that goes back. So he would continue back. living beyond 1985, but he would go back. The bigger problem is not his oh, existence. Okay, yeah. The bigger problem yeah. is he. Everything he does fucks up the future forever. He can't go and live in the Old West and say, I live in the Old West now because everything he does, everything he does fucks the future sideways. Then the movie makes you forget about that for a little bit, right? I'm sorry. I'm jumping right to the end. And you've got... And so Mary Steenburgen, her her carriage is supposed to go off into a ravine. It doesn't. In order to save the future, you need to kill Mary Steenburgen or... (laughs) Or, That's what Ted Danson says all the time. Constantly. Oh or, or what you need to do is what it looks like the movie is setting up, which is you have to, you know, all this stuff about, oh, I got to leave her behind. I have to go back to the future and I got to leave her here and it's heartbreaking and I love her and this and that. Right. She's not supposed to exist. Leaving her in the past creates all sorts of problems, too. So you should take her back to the future with you, which they talk about. Like, we're just going to have to take her with us. We're going to have to take her with us. And I'm watching the end thinking, I'm just trying, jumping right to the end. I'm watching the end thinking, okay, how are you going to get her on that hoverboard? How are you going to get all get in the DeLorean? My memory of the movie was like, yes, they have to all get to the future and she lives in the future because oh, yeah. then she can't fuck up. It, neither of them can fuck up anything over the many decades <laughs> and centuries to come. But instead... They go off on the skateboard like, I'm happy. I'm staying here with her. Two humans, two whole humans who should not be alive are alive in the Old West, fucking shit up left, right, and sideways. They should come back and everybody should have like, you've seen everything everywhere all at once, right? It should it should yeah. be like that. the future is now affected and everybody has hot dogs for fingers or like, you know, or like people have one eye dripping out of the front of their head. It should be... <laughs> Humanity and the world should not be the same when you have two people like that just messing around in the old they west. They do screw it up. They do screw it up because they invent steampunk, which that has fucked the world more than anything. Oh, God. 
They invent, so they right. become the inventors of steampunk. And how horrible was that? They just shit the bed on logic in this one. And I think this one's better than the second one. I'll well, give the, that away. The plot too, you but. just described is the plot of a Star Trek episode, The City on the Edge of Forever, where 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 <laughs> Kirk and Spock go back in time and Bones. They meet Joan Collins. And Kirk realizes if I kill, if, if I allow Joan Collins to live, Hitler winds up ruling the world. It's so crazy. Wow. And so he has to make sure that the woman he falls in love with in the past, in the, in the, you know, in the 1930s or whatever, in the Great Depression, late 20s, dies. And it's a heart-wrenching episode. And, you know, that's the plot. That's the, they, they in, in essence, t- steal that, but they don't do, you know, they don't do that same ending, obviously. When the third one came out, I never saw, this is the first time I'd ever seen it. Really? Uh, yeah. Last wow. night when okay. I watched it, uh, because, and I'd heard, I'd, I'd heard people be like, no, it's an improvement on the second one. It is. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be I in the minority. It. I don't think it is. I oh. didn't see it then because I didn't care. I don't really care now. Is it a better, it's probably, yes, it's probably a better movie <laughs> than the second one. simpler. I found the it's second one more story. interesting. In this, I had more fun watching the second one. It was, was it fucking crazy and messy and all over the place? Yeah. Was it annoying at times? Yeah. But I, I had a better time watching it. This one was, it was fine. There were its moments. I just didn't care. And by the time it got to the end, I didn't. I don't know. I, yeah, you're right, Jason. What you said before, it's like these two sort of ruin the first one. I wish the first one was. Just what it was. Like, that's what it was. But we know that that's not how it works in Hollywood. And we know, and especially the way that movie ends, it's set right. up to keep going. This just wasn't, a, 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 you know, a satisfying conclusion for me. And there was a lot of like lazy stuff, like in, in the beginning, they, I feel like they, they set all these things up. Michael J. Fox, especially in the beginning, and they get rid of this, he says a lot of things before they happen. He says Indians, <laughs> and they're Indians. Cavalry, the cavalry. They rip the fuel line. There's fuel, like, right, yeah. just show it. Yeah, just he doesn't need to it. say. Like, I, yeah. I remember when, when, when he's going back, he's yeah, like, but Doc, right. if, I, if I drive towards that screen, I'll hit the sign with the Indians. Well, duh, yeah. because he's going to, and then you're immediately you're like, well, because he's going to fucking drive the car, and then right. he's going to hit 88 miles per hour and then we're going to really see he's going to be a real Indians coming towards Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. I just didn't understand a lot of that weird setup. That makes no sense since he knows what happens when you get in the time machine and hit 88 miles per hour. Why is he saying I'll hit that? Obviously Doc is saying you will hit 88 miles per hour before you hit that no, he's saying it because they're setting up the job. Like, I know See? He's going towards a, a mural of Indians on horses. Sense, right? And there's going to be Indians on horses. Like, right. d- we fucking know that. Well, they, do Robert with the bridge. they do it again with the with bridge. The bridge it's like they, yeah. the movie's constantly thinking it has to teach the audience things that the audience already knows. <laughs> Learned two movies ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. We know how it works. Once it got past that, again, it wasn't bad. You know, it was, you had a few bad Irish accents here and there. They got better as they went along. Um, I actually thought Michael J. Fox's, the, the, the shame. Oh, here's, I thought I was going to say his Seamus McFly was really good. Looked yeah. suspiciously like Eric Stoltz. Oh, that's so weirdly, funny. right? Weirdly looks like Stoltz. It was so weird. Yeah. I'm like, I, that can't, I know that's not on purpose. No, of course. But I don't know. There is something, you know, he's got Maybe. the red hair. And like, I'm like, little, wow. Uh, yeah. 
might have been. I don't know. But I just and and there are those uncut scenes where Cher plays the grandmother, which is weird. <laughs> she comes out and goes, "What are you doing here, mask?" Do you believe in life after love? <laughs> what are you What are you doing here, mask? Not even Rocky. Mask. She calls him mask. Hey, mask. My name is Seamus. Oh God! Well, uh, that is okay. some kind of wonderful this time traveling thing. Yeah, I mean it's so uh, it, it treats us. We're so we're treated like such dumb children. How is Leah Thompson? How is Leah Thompson? Uh, I think they gotta give her something to do. Right? Does it not make though. zero sense that of course the it makes woman zero who sense. is the other half of his family tree is like now like <laughs> they really love the idea of her having incestuous Incest. relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it makes no, it, it, I know. Yes. They have to give her something to do. It's like, right. no, you didn't. You actually did. <laughs> no, you you could have given another actress something to do. <laughs> you could have get, you could have given right. Elizabeth shoe. You could have had Elizabeth shoe in there and they'd be like, then and he comes back to the future and he's like, there you go. Related to my great grandmother. I love the three old timey guys in the saloon who are actually from. Yeah, they're actually uh, Harry Carey Jr. Doug Taylor, Harry Carey Jr. and Pat Buttram are actually old timey guys from old Westerns. And they're a lot of fun. Especially the guy who talks like this. It's really fun. I love that. Isn't the guy who sells. Who yeah, sell, from Blazing Saddles. He's from Blazing Saddles. He looks exactly yes. the same. Yes. It's like 20 yeah. years. He looks pretty much the same. I was same. thinking the same. Yep. I'm going, that's the dude from Blazing Saddles. I'm like, I can't be because he, he hasn't aged. 1973 and he looks the same. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty and wild. And Richard Dysart, who has a little tiny part, but gets like fifth billing in this movie. Uh, Richard uh, yeah. Dysart from, I noticed from, that too. I saw him in the credits and I'm yeah. going, well, who does he play? Because he's been on set elsewhere he? for years yeah. and stuff, but he's like the guy, he's yeah. the guy who... Well, I never saw a man so heartbroken, you know, yeah, in a like lovely little, little scene. Scenes. I think it's Mary Steenburgen's lovely she's in so this. She's so good. I think she's lovely in everything. They are really good together. They actually yeah. have really nice chemistry. You know, I, I'm almost glad that snake spooked those horses. Otherwise, we might never have met. suppose it was destiny. Well, thank you for everything. You're quite welcome. I will see you again, won't I? Of course, you'll see lots of me. I'm sure I have a shop in town. I'm a local scientist, a, a, a blacksmith. I love that Doc Brown is the lead in this. I love that the power of love actually comes back and is a thing in this movie. But it takes the form of ZZ Top this time. Oh, oh I didn't even know. I didn't even understand. Now, do you know, is this is this accurate, Fred? Am I making this up? That the third, Both. the beardless, yes. the beardless guy in ZZ Top is actually named Beard or something Frank like Beard, that. Yes, who I think just passed away recently. That's crazy. Someone just passed away. I think it was him. Yeah. Yes, he was the the one guy who didn't have a beard. His last name was Beard. That's that's great trivia. That's the most interesting piece of trivia about this movie. It's the most interesting <laughs> thing about the movie. No, I like this movie. I do like it. I enjoy it. Um, I, I think that I think this is my favorite uh, Thomas F. Wilson of all the movies. I love him as Mad Dog. <laughs> he is Tad. very funny. It's He's really good. I liked good. him in the second he, one the best. He, he belongs in other westerns. I think I'm like, oh, this is this guy's groove. He's terrific in this. It's a really, really fun it's performance. Really I love, 
Hey, lighten up, jerk. I love that moment. Pretty strong, mighty strong words. That's a really, really funny gag. Humor comes back. Heart comes back. Uh, I like this movie. No, it does not reach the heights of the first one in any way, shape, or form. It is a linear story, so you don't have that sort of clever, oh, this pays off here, and this means this, and and all sort of the, the you know, all of that, that great uh, uh, stuff that happens in the first one where it rewards you for paying attention to it. It's a very linear story that feels like an old-timey you know, Western uh, in a lot of ways. But um, uh, I, I think that because the heart and the humor come back, you know, this this tips um, um, into the into the um, positive yeah. category for me, Sheila wise. Me too, even though it does feel like the longest, weirdest episode of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Ever. <laughs> it does feel like a TV show. It feels very it, slight. It does feel yeah. slight, but it is, but it is more That's linear good. and more satisfying. The, the thing about this one is the other movies were ahead of the audience and this one is behind the audience. Yes. And it goes to totally. your point yeah. about like Michael J. Fox having to announce and explain things before they happen it's like Mm-mm. why don't they trust us especially after everything that's come before and it is especially yeah. weird because it feels like like all the if the movies had come out two years apart instead of six months apart you'd say this was all being done as a reaction to the negative response you would yeah. to back to the future too and the convolutions mm-hmm. of it that's what it feels like but it feels like they're there, it feels like he was they were ahead of themselves i think what they probably wanted to do is like we're going to make one that's like this and then we're going to make one that's like this and they're going to be so different because of the time jumps and everything and and we're going to make that's two it. we get to make two very different movies but we're going to make them back to back and i think they just thought that was cool as opposed to what also could be true which is thinking we're going so crazy with this one people probably will want the palate cleanser that we will provide in part three. <laughs> Maybe they thought that way. Maybe they were that, but it really does feel Maybe. reactive. And it's so funny to realize that that's not really possible. <laughs> they made yeah. them. They even had the trailer for this at the end of the last one. So yeah, it was they knew done. It was not a reaction to it audience was one response. of those things when they were, they were getting feedback as they were making them. And maybe there was already feedback from some test screenings from the second one. Like this one's a little crazy. You guys are going to, you guys are going to lighten it up on the third one, right? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, for them to have been filmed so close together and released yeah, so close not. together and the production the design and the amount, like this is years of planning. Like, I just don't think you yeah. could do that. I think it's the yeah. same team, the same exact production team, yeah. everybody but talked you're right. about Nothing them. came as, a, there's nothing surprise. Again, uh, the second one at least surprised me. And yeah. again, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. But for me, it would I would give this a lower Sheila rating than the second one because mm. the second one was at least interesting. At least this time, well, you know, I had such a strong reaction when I saw it in the theater. Even a negative reaction, it was such a strong reaction. I don't know. I mean, maybe if, had I seen this, maybe if, if I did say, okay, you know what, we got to go see the third one now, just as a palate cleanser. I don't know what I would have thought, but this I I was sort of. It was, as you always say, Jason, it was like a nothing burger to me, you know? It was just like, okay, that was fine. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, Biff was fun. Not I think, I think if, if Doc Brown had sold the refrigerator, which is actually an ice maker, I don't know why he says refrigerator. Uh, I think ha- yeah. had he sold the, uh, the breakfast making machine, had he sold any of the other shit that's in his place, he could have gotten $80. <laughs> he could have cobbled together 
$80. That's unforgivable. That is an unforgivable flaw in the movie yeah. that he's going to go through all these machinations of, of having to go back in time and repair the, and there's no gas and we got to figure out a way to move the time machine fast enough to take us both back. And then I, I got to say goodbye to Mary Steenberg and, Go get eighty dollars. You're gonna steal a train anyway. You can't go steal eighty dollars from somebody. You just go <laughs> here. You go, Biff. Doctor Brown, I brought this note back from the future, and now it's a race. Of course, it's a race. Oh, fat folks. But what does that mean? It means your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Both of you. What the fuck are you talking about? What does that got to do with anything? We will, Doc. They seem to tack on like this moral at the end where it's like, and see, you can change your future. Yeah, very tacked on. That's the end, and that's what we've been saying all along. That's not the message. Let's go, steampunk train. You know, it just, I don't know. The message of the three movies is the power of love will, will, you know, will write the the time ship, you know what I mean? That's not the, the message isn't the future is what you make it. Boo. Yeah. Very tacked on. You're exactly right. Fred very felt very tacked on. As soon as he said it, I was like, Ugh, no, Huey that's Lewis not the message. Said it. Why, 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 why are we trying to argue with what Huey Lewis and or the news say? It's the news. It's literally the news. They've taught it's, us it's, everything. They taught us that I want a yeah, new drug. So just keep it there. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't sing. The future can be changed. Yeah. <laughs> The future can be changed. You don't need money. You don't need money. You can't. You need a credit card to change your future's range. You can't have him in the past changing the future every day. You cannot do this. The movie is bad. It's actually, it's actually, now it's, it was a six. Now it's a five. Now I'm going to have to make it lower than a three because it is, because it actually breaks the universe. It, 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 it's, really oh. bad it's it's so it shits on everything that the original was doing and even everything that that terrible sequel was doing it's I really feel good. bad i feel like i i, I feel like it was I, I feel a little victorious in the sense that i was able to bring you down past because wow. i know you guys really couldn't I haven't stand seen the it second since one. 1990 but i remember oh. thinking he must have brought the only thing that makes sense is he brings Mary Steenburgen into 1985 and they have a life together because then you're then you are making the future from there. But you can't mm-hmm. say the future is yours to make what you want with. I'm going to go back in time and keep making the future what I want with. And, you know, I'll, I'll send you letters and you can tell me who's president and who has five legs and who I, <laughs> you know, how I fucked up the space time continuum this week. I'll keep doing things and I'll keep checking in with you with my steam engine and be like, how bad is it now? Did I fix the problem? Did I make it worse? Okay, let me go back and let me fuck around some more. And, and yeah, you know, it's, it really does. It destroys all the life. And you can say, yes, the, the time wants to bend in a certain way. Is that true? I don't think so. You can say that when you've made a movie that destroys your thesis. And then you say like, well, you know, I think time really wants to bend in a certain direction. So uh, anything it. I did that was bad in, in my plotting. Um, Put that under that it's category. Right in front of yeah. It's sitting in front of oh. you. She should have died. You shouldn't be there. Take oh. her to the future with you. Then neither yeah. one of you can fuck anything up. It is right. so like when they flew That's off right. 
And Marty go to is the future, alone get eighty dollars, come back in time. Oh, that's what I'm Pay saying. Off Mad Dog. I just couldn't believe it. When Marty comes back by himself, I was like, "What have they done?" The answer was right there. <laughs> but in order to have like a, in order to do that shit, like stretch it out, how will that's she it. ever get off? Uh, how will they ever get in the DeLorean? Then they just cop out. They're like, "You can't really get in the DeLorean from a from a skateboard, so they're just going to fly <laughs> off and make kids." In the past. Well, and the, maybe one of those kids ends up being president and maybe everything is, you know, and then we have insect warlords that, <laughs> that rule us. Who knows? You can't be having kids in the past. Now, they sure did the make dresses stronger back then because she was hanging on by that thread <laughs> well, for a did. long time on that train. That's the, one, that's that the one accurate thing in the movie. They they're very like, strong wow. dressmaking. Uh, are we to are we to glean from the very, very end of the movie that he has... All this is not his first time train trip. He has already gone back to get Einstein. And yeah. this is at the yeah. very least his second trip back. They've been doing this for a while. Right? That was the impression I got. Yet another thing. Boo earns yet another thing you could have done in a, in a tight, tight little fashion. Marty, he says in the letter, go take, make sure you take care of Einstein. Marty and Elizabeth Shue go get Einstein. And then he comes and says, Hey, we're here to, you know, pick up Einstein. And you, you give him Einstein in that moment. You don't have to be the second trip. Right. Boo. Right. Also, I prefer Copernicus to Einstein. I'll put that out there right now. Copernicus is cuter. He's sweeter. And when he wears that little helmet, I'm in. Give me a hey, movie what's about the nickname? That. You can call him Einie. What are you going to call him? Copy? Copper. 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 Cooper Grace. Mm. I call him Cooper uh, Grace. So what are you doing? You're giving it, you're giving it three Sheilas now? <sighs> Now I have to, now it's as frustrating as two on a totally different scale. It's more yeah. entertaining and it's more, it's linear. It's more, it has charm. It has heart, but it's also very slight, like a sitcom and, yeah. and it fucks with the rules so much. Yeah. I'm dropping from a six to a three. I'm going to even it Whoa. out with back to the future. Wow. part two. I either have to wow. bring part two up or part three down. And bring I'm just going to bring, bring two up. No. Two but days. Thomas F. Wilson, come on. He's Where so are good. you, Fred, with three? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stick at a three. I can't believe it because I, I was like, well, this one's better. It is. And it's also like it just shits the bed on the whole trilogy, <laughs> the logic of it at the very end. And it didn't need to do that. There was a very obvious ending and they didn't do it. And I cannot for the life of me fathom why they didn't do it. It makes yeah. zero sense. Listen, so, they three. can't get a tank of gas, but they can make a train fly. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> yeah. I was thinking the same are thing. You with three? Where are you? Uh, I'm feeling a four. I'm going to give it a four. You're feeling a four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like three. I like it far better than two. I like the heart of it. I really like Thomas F. Wilson in it. I like the old timey. Um, you know, the old timey, uh, uh, guys in the saloon and I love Mary Steenburgen. So I'm actually like a seven on this. On this you seven. know what they should have done with those right, three yeah. guys in the saloon? It should have been Logia, Farnsworth and Brimley. Oh my <laughs> god! Yeah, those three guys in that saloon. Nine. Yeah. Nine. It's been a long time since we've had a call from the, from the heaven phone, but wait, wait a minute. You got it. It's been a long time since we've had a call from this phone. How apropos or how appropriate, if we're not in France, that the time phone 
is ringing. Wow. It's been so long. in time phone. <laughs> on the opening weekend podcast with uh, Fred and Jason and Dan. You are on the time phone. And we really, we only get one person ever calling in on the time phone. So it's got to be. I'm going to go take a stab at Hello, Mr. Nolte? Is God this you? Damn, you know who it is. Oh, I still got my coffee can and I got my Roscoe <laughs> bits and I got my lumpy and I got my and I got my lumpy. There it is. It's there. Oh, and there's Lumpy. Wonderful. Yeah, we Wonderful. Just, Your grandson. We're so just, great to hear from you. The power of Let me lumpy. ask you something. Uh, Mr. Nolte, first of all, great, great to hear from you. Um yeah. It's just striking me now God. because I I'd heard Lightning. we were saying how <laughs> yes it we struck how, me you know, last night this morning <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> afternoon from the pictures I've seen of your hair recently I can imagine that yeah, yeah, did yeah, you man. ever read for Doc Brown yeah I was gonna ask that you read my mind Fred have you ever were you up for this role. Not to take anything away from Mr. Lloyd, no, but no, no, I think no. you would have been great. He's great. We get drunk all the time together. No, <laughs> he, I, I, he deserved it. He deserved it. No, but I, I read for Lorraine. <laughs> and I... I read and I kept, and I thought I said, I said "You son of a bitch, you're gonna understand how much a girl can yearn. You're gonna understand a girl's yearning, and it also it doesn't it doesn't hurt that I." <laughs> That I had kind of a thing for Michael J. Fox in oh, no, like, wait in, a minute. in 83, 84. We met at like, well, there's a roller rink, and I'm not gonna go into it too much, but we, you know, I was like, oh, he is just a he's just a slice of lemon sponge, isn't he? And, <laughs> and you worked with Crispin Glover. You guys did that movie Teachers oh, with no. our favorite Joe Beth yeah. Williams from Poltergeist. Oh, wow. so. Joe Beth Williams is a real that. dream. In fact, so much of a dream, I thought I don't remember I didn't remember that being a reality. I did I make a movie called Teachers? I mean You did. Oh, with see, Chris Glover, Joe Beth Williams. You, you, just, oddly enough, you played a teacher. I did yeah. that, that is odd because of how little I know, but no, I remember I, I remember shaking and waking up and sweating and I thought, mm. oh, that was a terrible dream. And then and then it was released in theaters. And I thought, this is very strange. That this dream I had about playing a teacher with Joe Beth Williams, God damn, Crispin Glover, you know, made into a whole, they releasing my dream into a theater. Well, now, if you it. could go, if you could go back in time, Mr. Nolte, is there yeah. a particular place in history, time in history, that you would go, and would yeah. you change anything? I would go. I'd say George Washington. <laughs> you ain't gonna tell nobody about this tree. It, <laughs> as far as you know. It got struck by the same lightning I got struck by and you got struck by and will get struck by and get struck by again. So you don't have to I'm like chop it down and then go about your business. Get all your cherries, collect all the cherries, and then you don't oh say God. shit. You just say, I don't know what happened to that tree. But how would that affect you, things in the future? Yeah, well, it, what good would it, it do? All have ramifications. He, he would have a second term. He would have gone on to have a second term because you couldn't hound him with that. Oh, but you chopped down a cherry tree and you know, all that MAGA shit. But wouldn't that, that. Wouldn't, that, 
Wouldn't that affect the space-time continuum? Because th- didn't you play Thomas God Jefferson damn. in a movie? Wouldn't that have affected did you know, who became president? <laughs> yeah, you did. That's right. What the hell yes. did I play Thomas Jefferson in? <laughs> Jefferson in Paris? Weren't you Jefferson, Jefferson in, in Paris? Paris? Oh, that was, well, there's a funny <laughs> story because first I said, look. You're going to you're going to think I'm crazy, but I lobbied to play George Jefferson in but I said, if it's in Paris. Oh my god. It'll be all right. And I remember oh them saying god. fine, fine, but I didn't I kept thinking I, every day I had notes. I said, where's the oh dry cleaner? Where's Wheezy? Why is why is Paul Benedict not walking on my junk? I want all the things that I remember from the original. And they said, but this is the original Jefferson. And I'm like, I, 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 I don't think so. Where are we in the space-time continuum with you, Mr. Nolte? Because we never really know when, because you, you, I will say, you're sounding much more clear-headed and, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and understandable Well, that's uh, the lightning. Than usual. That's the lightning. <laughs> oh, okay. Three shots of lightning. Did any doctor will tell you? And you get three shots of lightning to the forehead over the course of 42 hours, and you will get... <laughs> Lucid, whether you want to or not, you get goddamn lucid. So it's 19, you know, I think. It's about 19 years. Right. Okay, good. I think and Lumpy and Roscoe are doing well. They're doing okay still. Well, from here, I mean, <laughs> remains in a can can only do so well. So, all right, that's Roscoe. He's fine. Lumpy seems. Lumpy keep he keep coming over to me and we do the static electricity thing and I because I've just Ooh. been struck by lightning and all his hair That's goes fun. up and he gets oh. up. yeah it's funny yes yeah all his little hairs go on stand on end yeah he's cute he's That's all right he keeps wanting food but I have not provided <laughs> in some time. You know, they don't provide food for your Wookiee no, grandson. What they, what, who knows what they eat? Does anybody know? <laughs> I got no goddamn idea. I wonder if there's a way to go back in time or go into the future a long, uh, long, long time. time. <laughs> yeah, give us a little Huey Lewis. Oh, the power of love. The power of love that a man feels when he thinks he's more right to play Lorraine McFly and uh, uh, seduce his own son in a motion picture. (laughs) This is what I wanted. It's not what I got, but that's fine. You know, because I'm living, I'm doing me. I'm just doing me. <laughs> you are doing you. It sounds and like you want a new drug, Nick Nolte. It sounds like you want a new drug. One that won't make think- me sick. <laughs> <laughs> So wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, as always. always great to hear and from you. Take your sure. thoughts oh, on yeah. time travel and the space time continuum and Lumpy. It's wonderful, as always, to talk with you. Yeah, that's right. Washington 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick Nolte. Thank you, Nick. Oh, wonderful. Well, that was great. I was wow. I wasn't expecting him to call in. That's wonderful. I, that was great. And he had nothing, nothing salient to say. <laughs>
Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend. Next time, we remain in the 80s for episode 80, in which we will revisit August 1987's sleeper hit, Dirty Dancing, starring Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. And in honor of the film's massively popular tie-in album, we will also list our all-time favorite movie soundtracks. So... That is next time on opening weekend. And I know for me, it'll just be the soundtracks to Superman one through four. No, I mean, when I say soundtrack, I mean like a soundtrack that is, you know, music, either, you know, songs created for a a particular soundtrack or a compilation soundtrack like Dirty Dancing that kind of, you know, Ah. uh, picks a lot of hits. I will have live journey albums, uh, a rush documentary and freaks and geeks. There you go. That's my list right there. That's perfect. Freaks and geeks, still not a movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's next time on episode 80 of opening weekend. Dan, I, I can't imagine what you might have for us this week. I have Is easy top song. Feel, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do. Double back if you do what I think you're going to do, go ahead. I can air drum. I can play drums to it, and it'll be like we're at my bar mitzvah again. Please do, please do. We'll do a little. Power <laughs> your hand love. farts will be like my dad's band playing along with me. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Because I've heard your dad's band. No, I'm kidding. No, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it, Fast Freddie B. All right, we'll do I'll a count little, us in. The power like of I did love. back then, which was a side note. It was the first time I I never played with the band before. And it was the first time I ever had to count off a band. I didn't know what to do, and I was fucking terrified. Oh my god! But I did a little something like this: a one, a two, a one, two, three. <laughs> Great Scott! Ah, That was amazing. It is cruel sometimes. Uh, That is true. (laughs) Give me a milk chocolate or a a Hershey bar melted (laughs) chocolate. See you next time. (laughs) The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening.